Seinfeld. The Invitations is over, but we are just getting started here on Seinfeld, the Post Show Recap, a podcast about nothing. And now here are the two guys who never skimp on the podcast. I'm Rob Sistrino. Here's the Keeper Winnaker. Kiva, how are you? Hey, I feel like we should. What? Hey. Yeah. Uh, how are you? How are you doing? <laughs> How's it going? What is up? <laughs> yes. I feel like we should be more. Yes, queen or just regular. Yes. Yes, queen. We should be a little bit more somber today, to be fair. Why is that? Because we are losing Susan. Yeah, we lost Susan. I, I you know, th- this isn't a funny episode. We shouldn't really be. I mean, it's funny, but it's not it's not funny that she died. I, you know, we should really be more respectful. I mean, in fairness, I mean, we lost Susan 20 years ago. Yeah, but, you know, for someone who's listening out there, just found out about it right now. Right. Some millennial that's watching Seinfeld for the first time. But I think we probably have made references before if you're listening to the podcast about Susan being dead. But what if someone has never seen the show before and this is the first episode of the podcast that they're ever listening to? They've never listened to the podcast before. Or they've never seen Seinfeld before this episode. Neither. They, 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 their first introduction to Seinfeld is this season seven finale of the podcast. Oh, uh, boy. I don't think they're going to be that affected by it, honestly. Yeah. Well, well, let's you know, let's let them know about Susan during the course of the episode. We'll sort of give you a picture of her life and what she was about. And, you know, we'll eulogize her. OK, so we've got a lot to talk about here as we have reached the highly controversial. Is it still controversial? Nah, I think people are over it. Yeah. Bigger, more controversies are out there now. And so not that controversial anymore. But at the time was uh, really a lot of hubbub about the death of Susan from May 16th, 1996 here in the invitations and a big episode for a number of reasons. Uh, The final episode of the Larry David era, Uh, the final episode with opening stand up. And of course, uh, the finale of season seven as uh, another milestone passes in our full Seinfeld rewatch. Uh, yeah, you know, the, the end of the LD era, of course, he comes back for the, for the finale, but he's gone the last two seasons. Uh, you know, I, I guess starting next week, it'll be interesting to see if we could s- spot any real differences between, you know, the, the, the tone of the show from one to seven versus eight to nine. Yes. I, you know, I don't, I, I think we'll be, I, I think if someone didn't know and was unaware that LD left, I, I don't think they're going to be able to spot them. Uh, really? That, that certainly the quality doesn't dip at all. So, uh, but it, it'll be interesting now that we're going through every episode with like this fine tooth comb, if we could spot anything. Okay. Keeve, so a lot to get to, a lot of mailbag to get to, and hopefully, uh, thank God, nobody sent us anything in snail mail where they had to lick an envelope to get us their message because that can be very dangerous. Uh, anything else you want to touch on before the episode? Uh, not really. I, you know, I, I, we got so much to get to. We got some good uh, emails today. Hopefully, nobody cries that Susan's gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, not even the core four cried. Yeah. No tears were shed. Uh, you know. Like we we lose Susan, we gain Janine Garofalo. It's pretty much, uh, you know, we're even Steven. It's a wash. Like yeah. All right. Of course, if you want to subscribe to the Seinfeld post show recap. And of course, we got two seasons left to go. Less than a year. How many episodes left? 46 episodes, 46 left. episodes of Seinfeld left to talk about here on the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes, postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. And of course, you can subscribe and let us know what you think with honest feedback only. Okay, Keeve, let's talk about this. Of course, uh, back to May 16th, 1996, written by Larry David. And we start off with Jerry talking about 
Women do wedding invitations one way, but men would do it totally different. I like in this final ever, you know, opening stand up monologue in the history of the show. Jerry does something new, which is discuss the difference between men and women. <laughs> how a man would do something versus how a woman would do something. Uh, we are in some virgin territory here with Jerry's opening stand-up. Yeah, no one's ever thought of uh, that sort of thing before. Obviously, now, that's 1996. 2016, gender social construct. We don't believe in stuff like that anymore. But uh, yeah, back then, I think... I mean, this still holds true, though. Like, I could get married 10 times and I wouldn't know once what the invitations look like at the wedding. Yeah. You know, before the wedding. Now, there's going to be a lot of confusion, I think, here in this episode, because, of course, uh, that you have uh, two idiots like me and Keeve trying to figure out how wedding invitations work, even though both of us have been married. But also in a pre-internet world, I'm not sure exactly how this invitation process is happening. Well, what does that mean? Like, like what's in this warehouse that's been sitting there forever? Just blank pieces of paper and envelopes. Yeah, it's it's the envelope. It's the save the date card. It's the well, maybe there's no save the date card because it's that probably would have had to go out already. So it's like, you know, six weeks away from the wedding. How does the information get on there? Is it run through like a printing press? Yeah, you could have printed it in the 90s. You could print it onto like some sticky paper and then stick them on, I think. What? Susan was doing this in 1996. They had like some sort of like a inkjet printer and they, she was. No, I think a professional could do it, though. Okay. Like you go to a printing shop, like maybe that store could also do that for you. Perhaps, perhaps. So I don't know exactly how this is all going to work, but we'll get into that. But uh, if we say adieu to Jerry's uh, stand up. Will you miss it moving forward? No, I mean, I, I'm not bashing it now, but I think it just gives us an extra scene in the episode cutting out the stand up. So that, that helps sometimes when we're maybe a little bit short of uh, a full plot. So it's probably for the best. Is there anything you want to say looking back now that we've had seven seasons of Jerry's stand up? I mean, it was really, I think, a crutch in the early going of like we were going to really use it to pad out the episode and that the stand up was going to really almost be like the genesis of the plot line in the show. As we've gone along the last couple seasons, at times it really has nothing to do with anything going on in the season. It's sort of like in place of uh, opening credits or opening theme song. This is what we're getting. It's like uh, you're seeing a bit of stand up, which I guess is also sort of like a novel concept. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, listen, it's it's a cool idea that they they did it. They you're right. They needed the first couple seasons when they would have like five scene episodes and they'd really need something to stretch the show from 19 minutes to 21 and a half minutes. But I feel like it ran its course and they probably should have cut it after about season five. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I, I don't think we'll miss it too much. It hasn't really added too much uh, the last couple of seasons other than the times where it was involved with the plot of the show, which were few and far between. So we get into this episode, which starts off. We go to the wedding invitation store and uh, we end up getting the big book of invitations with the most expensive wedding invitations in the front and the cheaper ones in the back. Keith, did you get expensive or cheap wedding invitations? I, I really wouldn't know. I don't remember anything about my wedding invitations. I remember there was like a big deal with uh, like the bar mitzvah invitations. I remember like the invitation lady was like the most important lady mm -hmm. in the whole process. But I think maybe because the, the girl side, at least in my relationship, handled that sort of thing. That was going on in Florida, like so outside of my purview that I, I never knew. I couldn't tell you what the invitations looked like. And I, I don't know if I 
you know, I really ever knew what was going on with them or how much money was spent or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I have to think that the invitations were probably handled by something online, but maybe it was like through the wedding hall that they put Nicole in contact. I mean, I had nothing to do with it. It was like basically Nicole's like, oh, this is what I want. I'm like, I I could not care less. I feel like they're expensive nowadays. I think they're pretty expensive. I think that anything in the wedding racket is expensive. Yeah, because you get one time business like this. You know, it's not like you're getting cut unless someone gets married like every year. You're not getting a lot of repeat customers. You really have to like, you know, charge a lot of money and then do a good job. You get the word of mouth. So you get that bride or groom's friends. Mm hmm. And so I'm definitely team George here in terms of going with the less expensive invitations. Do you feel like, is there any malice in what George ultimately did here in this episode where he ends up getting the cheap invitations? Like, do we place any blame at the feet of George about this whole saga? I don't think so. He, you know, it's not like the lady said it's toxic and, you know, you know, you're going to die if you lick him. Uh, to me, the blame is at the on the people who manufactured and sold these invitations, not to George, who tried to just, you know, scrimp and and, and buy cheap invitations. Right. And if we're going to pile on anybody, I it's all going to be on the reaction to Susan's death. It's not anything that they did that caused Susan's death. Yeah, for sure. He um he didn't do anything wrong uh, before. Right. While she was alive. It's it's his indifference afterwards that might get him convicted. If uh, this was ever brought to trial, which it's not. Okay. well, the thing that gets brought up about the invitations here is that these cheap invitations, Susan says that they're ugly. But in addition to being ugly, they also do not have a strong adhesive. George says, hey, so we'll go out and we'll get some Elmer's. Now, did George also cheap out on buying Elmer's glue, forcing Susan to lick all these envelopes? Yeah, I think you just never got around to it. So Susan licked it herself. Yeah, she just got a sponge, not sponge worthy. Uh, you think she could have borrowed one? From, oh, yeah. No, I don't <laughs> think of, these invitations are definitely not. I also I question the strategy of having one book with invitations and organizing it by price, because, you know, you want people to like find one they like and then be like, yo, how much does this cost? Is it five dollars invitation? Is it a dollar invitation? You don't want to like you don't want the book in, in price order. That doesn't seem to make any sense to me financially. Right. You want to say like front load it with ugly ones like, oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. This is terrible. And then like the first good one is expensive. Yeah. Or scatter them throughout the book. It shouldn't be by price because then you get all the cheapo depots. who are just looking in the back and finding, you know, the the cheap like the, de- the most decent of the of the garbage ones. Yeah. I'm not sure necessarily uh, what the strategy is there, but maybe if we have a wedding planner who in the audience could maybe give us some insight into all of this. And so, but Susan ends up, you know, folding and saying, okay, fine, I'll get these invitations because you don't want to spend the money on them. Should we be giving Susan credit for being pretty easygoing here? Yeah, I think this is, uh, you know, this is pretty normal for, I mean, she's not a bridezilla, Susan. I think... You know, she could have definitely put up more of a fight and been within reason. My problem is that Susan is so wealthy that it's not really addressed why they're not being helped. Even yes, they are in their mid 30s. And like most I think I got married when I was very young, but I think most people in their mid 30s generally pay for their own wedding themselves, or at least some people do. But like Susan's parents are so rich. Is it that they don't approve of George? So they're not shipping in for this wedding? Like, why are Susan and George? you know, going cheap on this wedding and paying for things themselves. 
It's pretty baffling. I mean, the common convention is that the bride's family is supposed to pay for the wedding. I know that, that was not exactly true in my case, Keeve, uh, but whether or not her parents are paying for it, when George tries to bring up the idea of a prenup in this episode, she laughed. She said, I make more money than you do. Right. But she didn't say like, you know, I have more money than you do. She said, I make implying she has a magical job that we haven't really heard much about this season. So what are you saying that she just has like a big nut every month where she makes $10,000 a month, but she spends $9,000 a month, like something like that? No, I think she's a trust fund, but it's weird that it's not mentioned here. And again, the, the idea that they're incredibly wealthy doesn't come up until next until the first episode next season with the foundation. Mm-hmm. I, we know that they have some money. He's got the cabin. They seem like fancy Upper East Side people. Um, but, you know, we don't know that, you know, and, and they knew important people, but we don't know the depths of it till next season. But still, it's she clearly comes from from some wealth. I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that uh, that they would pay for their own wedding. Yeah. I mean, Susan does not really have an extravagant lifestyle. She doesn't like dress in a very flashy way or anything like no, that. Yeah. But she's clinically depressed. I feel like that, you know, it's not she's not like looking to like she's just like throwing on any old thing and leaving the house. Okay, so Susan says, okay, see what I did for you. And so George and Susan are out walking on the street. Kramer comes up to Susan in this episode and says, hello, George. Hi, Lily. And Susan says, no, Susan. And Kramer argues with her. No, it's Lily. And she says, I think I know my own name. How does Kramer not know Susan's name in this episode? I mean, they've had a fair amount of interactions. I don't know if this is just like the writers forgot how just how many times that they're that, you know, Kramer and the Ross family have crossed paths. But uh, listen, it's not the craziest thing Kramer's ever done, but it's pretty funny that he doesn't remember her name at this point. I mean, could we do a quick reset of the interactions between Kramer and Susan and her? Fa- what about and her family and her family? It's not sure. just Susan. Yeah. So uh, he burned down her parents cabin. That's yes. He brought he brought her parents on a horse ride that, uh, you know, that Rusty the horse, uh, you know, uh, pooped all over the city during really ruining their time. And and there was like a big deal. In fairness, perhaps Susan didn't know about that, perhaps. But he Kramer is like the the person who does not know Susan's name uh, probably would not think that he was driving Lily's parents around. Right. Um, She also, uh, you know, in in burning down the cabin, when they go and, and, and rebuild it, they find the Cheever letters, right? Mm-hmm. Revealing that that Susan's father was not faithful to his mother uh, and cheated on her with John Cheever. Yes, that's correct. Uh, well, don't forget, famously, when Kramer vomited on Susan uh, and then she had a dry cleaning bill for him. Yes, right. That was uh, in season four when she when he uh, when he throws up on her. That's before he burns down the cabin. Yes. Um, it's a, any interaction Susan's had with. The entire crew, you know, kissing George initially led her to be fired at NBC. It's really like there were so many red flags. They're not even red. They're like bl- dripping with blood and she didn't catch any of them. Keeve, also, don't forget when Susan was dabbling in becoming a lesbian, when she found somebody new after George, it was Kramer who stole away Susan's girlfriend with a Kavorka. That's right. Yeah. yeah I mean, so, it you know, it's also like. It's a double whammy to Susan because he's been so bad to her and and he doesn't remember her name. It's like, you don't even matter. I don't even not knowing somebody's name is such a power move. Okay, 
Kramer says you look like a lily. Does Susan look like a lily? I feel like lilies are too like uh, positive and upbeat for Susan to be a lily. Okay. I mean, I could see it if she was a lily, but I don't necessarily know if she looks like a lily. I, I think you want your lilies to be a little bit more cheery. A lily bit. Yeah. So we go back to Jerry and George. George is besides himself about the wedding is coming around the corner. It's coming and there's nothing stopping it. Nothing can stop it now. It's here. Yeah. And so during the episode, you know, we see George has a series of outs that he tries to uh, get out of the wedding. And I think they're pretty much all good ideas, but they all fall apart for whatever reason. Right. So he wants to break off the wedding and Jerry wants to know, well, why can't you just tell her? That you want to break up with her. And George says, no, he can't deal with that scene. He'd rather be unhappy the rest of his life than go through that scene. He can't do it. He tried to psych himself up. He can't ever imagine doing something like that. Keith, could you do something like that? No, for sure. Now, we talked about this last week also that I, I think we were I, I said it. I don't remember if you were on the same page or not, but like it's we were talking about it like once someone's already married, at, mm-hmm. you know, with regard to like divorce. But it's like. Most of the time, it's easier just to never have that conversation and just like live unhappily probably for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think at this point, it's the same thing. Like, it's a whole big deal. Then, especially like in a pre-internet era, you have to like call up every one of these people. Right. Uh, Let's say let's say they send the invitations out two days from now and you have to like call up every one of these people and be like, by the way, the weddings I've never I don't know if you've ever had this. I've never um, been invited to a wedding that has then been called off. Oh, no, me neither. But I do. But I do know people who have. And I feel like it's awkward. Like, I've never gotten that call. But I think that call is like the worst thing. There were like 10 days before the wedding. The out of town people have booked their flights, maybe hotel rooms, you know, a whole trip. And and then you call and be like, no, no wedding. Mm -hmm. And you got to return. You got to return all your engagement presents, return any early wedding gifts you got. I mean, it sounds like a disaster. If you're lucky, people are returning engagement gifts. I think people mostly are keeping them. Well, the bad people. The Drake. Yeah, sure. And his uh, significant other. That's right. If you don't get married, even, I think you have to. I, I, I don't know. Like, we, we have to have one of those Dear Abby things. But I think it's like six months after six months, they can keep them. I'm not sure what the exact cutoff is. But yeah, it's if you don't even get married, you got to send them all back. Yeah. I mean, I had a close friend who I think got married in June and then separated by December. So mm-hmm. I guess that's inside the six month window. Well, but the- it was still annoying. It was still annoying. I'm like, why don't we spend all this money? We just had this wedding. Like, really? Yeah. Um. I mean, he didn't return the presents. I assume it would be funny if no. they were like split up after five months. Like, let's not tell people for a month and we'll just split the, the wedding cash. Right, right. I don't think that they were on the same page in terms of doing that by that point in time. But yeah, it was very like, uh, really? Uh, and also, I guess we should have seen it coming. Like he was like really like hyperventilating, like at the point, like he had to go walk down the aisle. Like he it was not inspiring confidence. Uh, my dad once went to a wedding. It was the second marriage for the groom. I think he was there for the groom side. And um, the groom got up and said, uh, at this one, you don't have to post date the checks. This one's forever. Yes. Okay. And did it last forever? No, I believe they, they've gotten divorced. I feel like second marriages lasted, are jinxed. It lasted like five years. Yeah. Second marriages are jinxed. Is that what you said? Yeah. I feel like a third marriage could take. I feel like the second marriage no, is never no. good. No, no. If you get up to three, it's game over for you. Game over? Yeah. If you get up to three, you're going to seven. You're going to seven? Taylor. No. Yeah. No. If you get to four, you're going to seven. I think you could stop at three. Oh, if you get to four, the difference, the, the curve between four and seven is like three people ever. Anyone who gets married four times has been married seven times. Right. That's a fact. 
I, I three. I there need to be not to make a light of it, but there need to be. Uh, I think a widow situation if for you to get the for the third one to be successful. No, you could get to three. I mean, you could sort of like get married young and then it didn't work out. And then you get somebody else like that didn't work out. And then finally you find the the right person or, or at that point, you're just like too old and you don't care anymore. I think you can get to three. My I, I don't have a lot of divorce friends. I got one friend who got divorced and I did say to him he was getting married for a second time. I said, like, you better pick the right one now because. You know, the, the stigma of being like a guy who's been divorced twice and he's in his earlier mid 30s, you know, that you're right now. It's like, OK, you had one divorce. You have a good relationship with your ex-wife. It was just you got married. You know, it was your college girlfriend that you married. It's not a big deal. You, the second divorce, I feel like, is a big uh, it's like a tramp stamp on you or something. Yeah, that's know. tough. It's, like, <laughs> it's tough. You know, I'm sure it happens to people. I'm sure there's lots oh, of, of extenuating yeah, circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would never get married three times. I can't. Could you imagine having like another wedding? Like no, it's hard for me to go to it, other people's weddings. It would be really point. small, I think, if I ever got. Like I, I say that I would never, I would never get married again. But I feel like I'd sort of get like guilted into it. Yeah. Well, let me pitch you on something, Rob. Okay, so you're saying that, but what if this your second wife? Hypothetical, of course. She wants a big wedding. Yeah, she's never been married before. Mm-hmm. Are you going to? I mean, like this is already a deal breaker. How old her. is like, she? She is uh, she's a few years younger than you. So she's, she's like in her. Yeah. I mean, if assuming it was today. So she's like 32. Yeah. 33. Boy, this is all moving so quick. Keeve. Yeah. I'm saying like, I, I think that's not like that. I don't know if that's like something you need to really like. Is that is that a battle worth fighting? I feel like we've talked about this before, but I feel like we always push for the destination wedding for the second wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, and I've said I got married in Florida when I had friends because I was in college. And people came. And now if I got married in Florida, like it would just be like me and, you know, and like the rabbi. Yeah. Let, let's not get too caught up in this. And then I got to deal with this whole thing when one of these listeners uh, reports all this to my no, wife. No, we, but... I, I would say the best thing going with this podcast through 145 episodes this is 146, I think, is we really have not had any snitches. Yes, that's pretty good. Not not on if this podcast. Have, not on this podcast. Our Our listeners are not snitches. And I will say. If someone does snitch, that we're we're coming we're coming after you. We're we're gonna find out who it is. They're we're out. We're gonna ban you from listening. They're out. We're gonna what? we're gonna dox them. That's right. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know. <laughs> to I don't even know them. what that. Means. <laughs> I, I know that's a verb, but I don't even know what it yeah. means. Yeah. If if you yeah if you snitch, we're calling your wife. Yeah. Yeah. Or your <laughs> husband. Your, yeah. Or your husband. We're going that's through. Right. Or your mom. We go. You know. We're gonna <laughs> go through your Twitter page, see what you got, and then we'll uh, we'll see. Uh, you know. <laughs> We'll yeah, he was laughing last. But anyway, so George is really trying to figure out a way and he comes up with what if I write a letter and then I go to China uh, and then for, say, six months, maybe a year, wait for things to simmer down. And the letter could go like, dear Susan, I'm sorry. I made a terrible mistake. I'm really, really sorry. I mean, it's not a bad letter. I feel like uh Susan would, after about a week, she'd get over George and she wouldn't even remember his name. Yeah. I mean, she was fine the first time she broke up with him. So, Keeve, do people still do a breakup letter? Dear John letter? I think only people in the army because that's long distance. I think you could do an email or a phone call or a letter. Uh, In the army, I think it's common, supposedly. Yeah, because I think in the good old days, you could just write a letter and leave and then nobody could find you. It would be like sort of like a like a dear so and so, you know, I just I can't do this anymore. Um, I'd like 
you know, it's not you, it's me. Uh, See you on the flip side, uh, Rob. And then you just leave. And it's not like then your your phone will be blowing up with text messages, you know, five minutes later. Right. You'd have to like delete all your social media accounts. Yeah. But but you could like pre, you know, 2000, you could just write a letter and then I guess they could email you still. But you could just go set up shop somewhere else. Yeah. Your AOL 2.0. I think uh, it's easier to <laughs> you just change your email. screen name. Right. That's right. I, to me, uh, you know, and George saying that right now, go to China and, and soon they'll amend it to Staten Island. I think you don't even need to go. You just need to leave like your neighborhood. So like get out of the Upper West Side. You go downtown Manhattan. You go to one of the other four boroughs and you're fine. You're never going to run into them. Yeah. So they say the, the letter is too short. And then what about your job? So Jerry says maybe move to Staten Island, as you mentioned. Uh, it'll be easier to blend it into a sea of people in Staten Island uh, George is into this, but then he said, but what about my clothes? Yeah, it's a good point. You know, George is uh, such a clothes horse. How could he, you know, how could he get like a whole new, you know, batch of like polo shirts and, and weird looking pants? Yes, he does dress by mood. So that's also important that he has all of his clothes there, depending on what mood he's going to be in. But that they basically decide that he can't go without his clothes. He can't start a whole new wardrobe now. Yeah, it is too late. It would be it would be like an, you're almost an expansion team in your 40s. It wouldn't work out. Yeah. Couldn't he do it like when Susan was like away or out for a couple hours or she doesn't leave the apartment for that long? Well, that's what doesn't make sense. George says if she just take a plane and they get into like, wait, are you hoping the plane crashes? But if she just gets on the plane or even goes like out of town for a day or two, why not just take your clothes and, and run then? Like, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, well, things get really dark here. And he says, if she just take a plane somewhere, and you're right, I thought that he was mentioning like, oh, okay, then if she was gone, then he could get his clothes. And Jerry says, and what, hope for a crash? And George tries to say, well, it happens. And Jerry says, uh, it's a million and one shot. And uh, George says, it's hope. <laughs> Something to hope for. Very dark, Keeve. Yeah, very dark. You know, uh, plane crashes on Seinfeld uh, have come up before. George and talks will certainly about, come up again. Yeah, George talks about how you'd be surprised. Uh, how come there hasn't just been a whole Major League Baseball team wiped out by an airplane crash? Again, very dark. Pre even yes. working for the Yankees. Yes. Uh, and then finally, in the finale. We get to uh, where their plane is almost going to crash. Yeah. Plane crash humor, not off, not off limits uh, in the pre 2001 uh, Seinfeld world. Yeah. All right. So Elaine comes in and she's excited. The wedding is a month away. We didn't talk about this with the invitations. Isn't it absurd that the wedding is in four weeks and invitations are being sent out now? Well, he he very briefly adds in late June, which I think is done consciously by the writers to make it have more sense to make it make more sense, because this is. The episode airs May 16th. So let's say in the Seinfeld world, this is May 16th and the wedding is, let's say, June 30th. Yes, that's that's six weeks. What is the general generally accepted like uh, wedding etiquette for invitation? Months, you know? months. I thought it was like eight weeks. Uh, I think it's m- more than that. Maybe RSVP by that. I mean, let's see. How early do you send out wedding invitations? How early do you uh, send wedding invitations out? So according to Google, traditionally, invitations go out six to eight weeks before the wedding. Okay, look at you, Keith. Look at you. You're like uh, Mr. On the Ball for wedding invitations. That's right. I I, I remember hearing six like by my bar mitzvah time. 
I, you know, now I think it's changed because there's a lot of email, even if you send a, a physical invitation, RSVPs are much quicker because I think there's a lot of email RSVPs. Yes. And don't forget, save the date. Yeah. Well, this you send a save the date of, hey, I'm getting married this day. Put this magnet on your refrigerator. That's right. I don't get any save the date cards, really. I don't mm. know. If, uh, we don't really do save the date cards, but who doesn't? The, I, I guess I don't know. I guess Jews. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The, we, the Jewish family, people don't, don't save the date. They don't save the date. They're not allowed to save any dates. You can't save a date. Can't save a single date. Um, I think um, I think that uh, with with the uh, with like if it's an out of town wedding, you need to give, you know, a few months notice even more. That's why you're saving the date. Well, but that's what I'm saying. If it's an in town wedding, if it's a New York wedding and you're you know, the core family lives in the tri-state area. How much time do they really need? Sure. Like, you know, to, you know what, what are they doing on a Saturday in seven right. weeks from now? Right. <laughs> So Elaine has some questions about the wedding because Jerry is the best man and Kramer is an usher. What is Elaine going to be? She's got to be something. So forward, right? Just to ask somebody. Yeah. I like I was nervous. Like I I thought it was like awkward. Like I asked you if I was invited to your hypothetical wedding Mm -hmm. now. But that's like invitation. Elaine. More than invitation. Elaine wants to be like in the in the core group. In the wedding party. Right. Yeah. Keeve, did you have, I, I know that you probably don't have uh, female friends that were close enough to be in your mm-hmm. wedding party. Is that a correct right. assumption? Right. Oh, yeah. When I was 20, right. I didn't even have one female friend. Right. <laughs> you, you were marrying her. So not, was yeah. there any, but there, but you had female relatives that were sure. in the bridal party, correct? Yes, sure. Yeah. So I don't know why it's so crazy to think of Elaine in the bridal party where she, that George just shoots that down. About how, well, no, the bridesmaids are Susan's friends. I know Susan has a million friends. Right, but then who do they walk down with? Like, who's Elaine? Like, I have sisters, so they walk down, I don't remember, I guess maybe themselves, but one of them, you know, they were ba- two of them were babies, so they were probably like the flower girls. I really don't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, like, wh- I don't know what the, actually, one of them was like too young to be a flower girl, even. That's how, you know, mm-hmm. big, how big of a gap there is. Um, I, I don't know what, like, what does she do? She walks down by herself. Like you sort of need the second female bridesmaid to walk. Like, you know what I mean? If you're Elaine, like, what is she doing? Like George doesn't have other friends that he has in the bridal party. I mean, who's in the bridal party? A female friend? Does George? No, oh, the, somebody in the, in the, in the groom's, uh, party or whatever you call the, the men in the bridal party. No, in George's side is. It's Frank? Jerry. Yeah, Frank, Frank Estelle, Estelle, Jerry. That's it. No, well, they're walking down the aisle with him. Yeah, I'm saying so. Jerry's walking down. Who else is Kramer? in the wedding party? Give me Could the other Jerry walked down with. That's it. No, There's no, nobody else. They no, have no. Jerry family. would walk down with the maid of honor. Oh, Jerry walks down with Susan's maid of honor. Yes. See, we do this a little differently, so I don't know. Okay. Yeah. yeah who cares? Uh, but Elaine is really saying, like, you know, you got to figure this out. And he said, okay, I'll ask Susan. And she said, no, you don't ask. You tell. Yeah, I mean, I like Elaine's confidence here. Like, not like, am I in the bridal party? No, I want to be in the bridal party. And she's not wrong. Like, she is at worst, at worst. His third best friend. His third best friend. And you could make a very strong argument. You know, maybe during a slow episode, we could have this debate. But like, he, she, you know, she might be his second best friend. <laughs> sure. <laughs> very possible. Very possible. Does George have any other friends? Is there anybody else that George is George and to? Jerry, like, there's people who will be invited to the wedding. 
but not tier A list type people. Like Jerry, I feel like has many friends, but George, do we ever get introduced to anybody that was George's friend? I think we do once or twice. I feel like the Hamptons people are going to be invited to this wedding. You know, I don't know if they're going to come. I feel uh, there's definitely some uh, sour grapes with George still. Sure. But I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, like, there's really no other tier A. I mean, they're talking about inviting the Drake. Like, once mm-hmm. you're inviting the Drake, like, you're almost desperate. There, but there's 200 people. I feel like 150 of them are from the Ross's side. Right. Now, Keith, did you watch the deleted scenes for this episode? I've seen them before. Okay. Amazing deleted scenes. And we'll talk about them. But yeah, some people uh, from the Yankees organization also invited to this wedding. Yeah. I mean, the, I would like to see the full. We should really come up with a full wedding list. That would, you know, that would really. <laughs> That'd be good. Maybe for next week's email. All right. So. Then they start talking about how could somebody break it up with Elaine and Elaine, who's broken up with, you know, 100 boyfriends at this point in the series uh, that she throws out there the idea of smoking. That's what would get her to break up with a guy. I think it's a good it's a good idea. It's worth a shot. There's a good family feud answer of, uh, you know, 100 people surveyed top five answers on the board. Uh, Name a reason you might break up with somebody. They smoke. Okay, sure. Uh, Yeah, no, it's it's definitely like also because he's never smoked before. I, I definitely think this is one of their better ideas. Yeah, no, this was very, it's very, very funny uh, when we get to that scene. All right. So that's what they're going to do. And so uh, George is thinking about uh, how he's going to pull this off. All right. So we see Jerry and Elaine on the street and Jerry is starting to get depressed about the wedding for George because then, you know, that they're going to get married. They're going to have a kid. They're going to move to Westchester. And then it's just going to be Jerry and Elaine and Kramer. And Elaine says, no, 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 I'm getting out too. She doesn't want to be single anymore. Yeah, it's funny because this scene is both a callback to the beginning of this season, right? Mm-hmm. With the engagement and, you know, and, and the episode, you know, we skip ahead for a second. Like the episode ends the exact same way the season began. Yes. With, you know, Jerry and George talking about like that they're not on the same page. And, uh, you know, we had a pact. Yes. And for Elaine, it's a little bit of a flash forward because she's only a couple episodes away from ditching the crew for, you know, the bizarro versions of of, you know, George Kramer and uh, and George uh, and Jerry, the you know, so to, this is her sort of coming to grips with like, hey, I'm getting up there really deep into my 30s and I'm single and I have three friends. And this is like, I'm not sticking around anymore. Like George is gone. I'm out. I'm not sticking around with you losers. I'm going to I'm going to get a serious boyfriend. Uh, and you know, we really see her act upon this uh, three episodes from now. And then when does Putty come back into the picture? That's not till season nine. OK. All right. So we're still a ways from that. OK. So she says that she is going to get out the game and it's just going to be Jerry and Kramer. And Jerry begins to daydream about what life is going to be like with Kramer in the future. And we see a bit of a flash forward to Jerry and Kramer at some point down the road and we see Jerry has aged. Kramer looks bizarre, almost like that they've the the Kramer what they do with him, he looks like he's supposed to be like 8 years old. Yeah, he they just like they had a tough time in makeup really making him uh look older. They just went sideways with Kramer. I don't know what they did with Kramer where he's wearing like shorts and he has like long hair all of a sudden and he's just like bouncing around all over the place. And Jerry, you know, they gave him like grayish hair. Um, They didn't really nail what Jerry would go on to look like in terms of uh, I don't know how old he's supposed to be, but we end up with them talking and Kramer comes in 
and he has an idea for a periscope in a car. Yeah, and this is an idea that plays out more in Curb. Um, I feel like you've periscoped in the car, like in heavy traffic before. I have periscoped in a car. Um, I have not used the periscope to see the traffic. Although, did Kramer invent some sort of like traffic GPS? Did he sort of uh, really like have like the kernel of an idea? I mean, he had ways, which is funny because in the Seinfeld reunion uh, on Curb Your Enthusiasm, right? George got rich from the eye toilet, which is like a ways for for toilets, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It doesn't necessarily tell you what the traffic is or the wait time on the toilet, but tells you where they are. Yeah. So, yeah, and so Jerry is getting mad and he starts yelling at him. And then how are you going to drive when you're looking through a periscope? It's not a submarine. There's no room. And Kramer's saying make a higher roof. And Jerry is arguing you can't make a higher roof in the car. It's stupid. It's stupid. And as he's walking, he almost gets hit by a car. But he is saved by a woman played by Janine Garofalo, Janine Steinman. Yeah, and I think it's worth saying, like, Janine Garofalo is at the height of her powers, probably in 1996. <laughs> yeah, like this was almost a get. Janine Garofalo was famous enough that I think it was clear, and we will discuss this more next week when they break up. Spoiler alert: that that it was she's famous enough that it's clear she wasn't going to stick around and be like a regular or even like a Susan style, like you know, full season uh, guest star. Now, when you talk about Janine Garofalo at the height of her powers, um, are you saying also at the height of her fame or at sort of like the apex of her star rising? Because I think there's a difference. Uh, fame. I mean, I don't I, I have fame. Hmm. When did she do the movie with Cameron Diaz? She also spells her name in a bananas way, by the way. Do you know how to spell Janine? <laughs> I tried, just tried to spell it to bring it up. So this is 1996. Um, she's, she's going to, you know, have a bit of a run here as a film career. Um, so she is in, you know, she does the like, she's coming off of Larry Sanders show. Um, but I think then she's going to go on to do some bigger stuff later. Uh, actually, you know what? You're right. Truth about cats and dogs is 1996. She's in cable guy, 1996. So yeah, she's probably uh, this is uh, she's hot. You know, she's a lot of tattoos now. She's got yeah. like all tatted up. She's got like sleeves. Yeah. I mean, her How'd career you know takes a weird turn. I, I don't think that probably her career is recognizable. If you went from 1996, you probably figure that she's going to just go on to have this like uh, like huge stand up career. And she ends up sort of like uh, in the mid 2000s. Then she ends up like uh, going like really uh, to the left. And she ends up being like very involved in like Air America. And she's very much like anti Bush uh, and uh, she gets involved in that whole thing. And then she ends up sort of like becoming like a character actress where she's in like a bunch of shows like, uh, you know, she does uh, the West Wing and she's on a season of 24. And so her career really never ended up going back on the same trajectory down the road. I mean, this definitely happens in Hollywood to women in their like mid 40s. But I, I first of all, she's not on Twitter. She's really like off the radar. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a bad career move. Like if her whole goal is just to be as famous as possible, I, you know. You're a comedian. I feel like you should probably be on Twitter. But anyway, um, also, she spells her name weird. So she's hard to Google. It's J-A-N-E-A-N-E. Right. That's a crazy, well, that's a crazy way to spell Janine. Um, I, I, I think our millennial listeners, some of them have never heard of her. They don't probably. Know probably. Is. I would say that probably the closest uh, comp, if you were going to say, is like that she basically 
you, you thought like the floor for her career was probably going to be Sarah Silverman. Right. But but she never even though they're this probably the exact same age. But Sarah hmm. just got famous much later than Janine did. Is that possible? Let's see. I think Sarah uh, might be older than Janine even. Oh, I, I'm not sure about that. I feel like that Janine Garofalo born uh, 1964. So I take it back. Yeah, so I don't think so. I feel like uh, I mean, Sarah Silverman is uh, I mean, 64, 74, 84, 94. Uh, yeah, Seven. So. She's six years older than than Sarah. You know, they, they, they passed a law. You probably heard about this in L.A. that IMDb is not allowed to have the ages anymore. I think that maybe it's at the end of the year they have to take them off. It's very upsetting. I not like not allowed every, to have the. No, not allowed to have actors. What if I want my IMDb. age on IMDb? I, I don't think it's allowed. Okay. Well, uh, all right. At least at least they passed the law before I hit 40. Yeah. But um, it's annoying because we're always like looking up how old these like actors are, if they're still alive and stuff. Yeah. I assume they're allowed to put their death date down. Are they allowed to put not... the years they were in certain movies up? Yes. Well, that's how you know. Like, if you ever want, I once that I went down a rabbit hole a couple years ago. Like, which actors lie about their age? Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you say you were born in like 1973, but in like 87 you were playing like a college student in a movie, we mm-hmm. know that somewhere along the lines you thought like the internet wouldn't catch you, but you uh, you shaved a couple years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, by 1996, uh, she had already been in Reality Bites, and uh, you know had a a long run. Also, and she did SNL for a season. Uh, she also was uh, probably best known for on TV for Larry Sanders show. So um, there you go. So, so Janine Garofalo here. And um, I remember being very pumped up about Janine Garofalo. And I think that this was a, a real compliment, I think, to her to think of her as like the female Jerry Seinfeld. Totally. Did you think, you know, this was pre like there was spoilers or anything like this. When you're watching this. End of season seven, four months before season eight. Did you think like her and Jerry were actually going to get married? Um, I don't know what I thought, but I was I was pumped up about this. So this is very exciting to me. I remember like even though it's funny, uh, you know, that they that they break up in the first scene of next uh, of next season. It, I thought like I was like, oh, man, they should have really like done something with this. Like it would have been cool to have Jerry have a serious girlfriend for at least a little while. Yeah, it's interesting also because I feel like the Janine Garofalo is very outspoken, I feel like. And I couldn't find any interviews of her like really like talking about like, yeah, they thought I was going to be like Jerry Seinfeld. And, I, and they were and they were terrible to me. Like uh, she I feel like there's not a lot of interviews of her really saying anything about this. I mean, she's only in a couple scenes, you know, ultimately. But I felt like it was iconic that she was branded, you know, in 1996. Again, Seinfeld, the biggest show on TV. This is the female Jerry Seinfeld. Totally. I think. And she's basically playing herself. Yeah. I, I think in hindsight, the fact that the show, you know, made a trillion dollars, they could have sp- they could have spent a little bit more money on guest stars and had more like, you know, this, this scrimping on like, let's only do Janine for a few, you know, like her rate is too expensive. I feel like anything they would have paid, it would have. Uh, it would have sort of paid off. Yeah. So here she is, Jeannie Steinman, and uh, that she says to him that, you know, this shirt is a waste. It sits in the drawer. And then because he's wearing sort of a collared shirt underneath the sweater and that the collared shirt is a waste because it just sits under the sweater and you can only see like a half inch of the collar. Yeah, I agree. That's where you wear your stained shirts, right? Like, oh, man, sure. I can never wear the shirt again. Yeah, the things that have like a bleach stain on them or something where it's like, uh, boy, I can't wear this uh, ever again. I do that. And then I like forget and take the sweater off and there's like a big like tomato sauce stain or something on. 
Yeah. So she introduces herself to Jerry, Jeannie Steinman. Jerry blurts out, hey, same initials. Keith, have you ever met somebody that was another AW and said to them, wow, same initials? No, I feel like uh, that's not not exactly like a great first line in a bar or something. No, no, it's not. It's not really something women care about or men, but anybody, anybody really would uh, be interested in. Yeah. So who's like who's the most famous female first name R, last name C? Uh, I'm sure there's somebody good that's out there, but I'm trying to think of somebody off the top of my head. Well, it'll come to us looking for a famous uh a famous uh, woman starts with an R, ends with a C. Not not a famous RC, but it no. starts with an R and ends with a C. That's right. So then let's go to George and Susan at their apartment. And George is saying about how Elaine wants to be in the wedding party. And, you know, Kramer is an usher. And Susan says, no, it's out of the question. Doesn't want a woman usher. And while we're at it, Kramer's not an usher anymore either. I mean, Susan is just mean. I like in this scene, she says that and I'm almost like she kind of had it coming. She's oh, Keeve. <laughs> I mean, she's so Terrible. mean. Yes. And she well, she has a good point. She says, hey, he doesn't even know my name. Don't be so sensitive, Susan. Yeah. Live he, every moment like it's your last. <laughs> she says he's too weird. He'd probably fall down or something. Uh, this is all very fair points from Susan. Yes. If they had a wedding. Uh, you know, to open up season eight, Kramer would do something ridiculous and ruin the wedding. No doubt. Yeah. But listen, that's you're 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 in. You know, if you're getting in bed with Kramer, that's what's happening. That's what's happening. So now George pulls out a pack of cigarettes. Uh, we don't know what the brand is. So it looks like a soft pack of something. And <laughs> Susan is like, uh, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, it's, I like how Susan pretty, like is, you know, doesn't put up a fight to the fact that he's ever smoked like. If, if you just like came home one day, assuming you've never smoked in front of your wife before and like said, oh, I smoke. I always smoked. I smoke now again. Like there should be more of a fight of like, no, you don't smoke. Put that away, dummy. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, to me, watching this in 2016, it's like, first off, like, wait, you're going to smoke in the house. I feel like that that's the first thing. But I guess that that's uh, not such a big deal, I guess, in 1996. But she's like saying, I've never seen you smoke. George is so funny in this scene. Uh, he is, uh, Jason Alexander is fantastic of when he says, oh yeah, big smoker. <laughs> He's like, again, like uh, he just is playing it so funny where he is saying to her that he smokes all the time, but he's just like being destroyed by the cigarettes. Coughing, so funny. Yeah, I, to me, it's uh, it, it's almost like the actor, Jason Alexander, like doesn't even have to act. Like maybe he's never smoked before. So to him, this is just like, because someone's never smoked, that's probably what they do the first few times, right? They cough. I bet he's smoked. I bet he's smoked. I bet like uh, in different plays and stuff like that. I feel like it's like something that you would have had to have done. Every actor seems to smoke. I don't know why that is, but it, that's what it seems like. It looks cool. Like, but I don't mean as when you're an actor. I mean, like, you know, between scenes, like you're smoking <laughs> next to like the, the union guys behind the set. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They're the Teamsters, they get you into it. Uh, but he's just so funny. He's like, uh, yeah, I've got no willpower. I'm addicted. Can't stop now. <laughs> uh, and then he just runs to the bathroom. It's so, so funny. All right. I have your RC, but it's not perfect because there's a middle initial. Yeah. Who is it? Rachel Lee Cook. Rachel Lee Cook. I know that can't be the most famous female RC. It is. It's certainly actresses. I went through all famous Wikipedia's famous C letter actresses and Rachel Lee Cook is the only R. 
Oh, maybe there's like a politician or somebody else that's got to be more find, famous. A, how many politicians are more famous than Rachel Lee Cook? Like three. A lot. I feel, I mean, I'm sort of coming to the conclusion that actresses really fall off a cliff. HRC. Like fame-wise. Yeah. Uh, HRC. That's not bad. But that's, <laughs> that's not something. her first name. Um, <laughs> yeah. Rachel Lee Cook. I feel like she used to be way more famous. Well, sure. Sure. She has under 100,000 followers on Twitter. Yeah, well, in, in like in like 1999, she would have had five million. Yeah, probably. some people that miss Twitter they're probably punching themselves. Well, what's that. Rachel oh, Lee Cook's most famous role? Uh, was she in like 10 Things I Hate About You? I'm not sure. Was she? I have no idea. I missed out on she's the whole. all that. No, she's she's all that. That's why I'm mixing it up. She's all that. Oh, I like that. Role. I like that. She's all that. Yeah, her and her and Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. OK, well, now I like her. OK, I didn't know that so was could, her. Yeah, so if you meet her on the street, I mean, you live in L.A., maybe you'll run into her. I don't know if you know what she looks like. Well, but. only with glasses on, I know what she looks like. Oh, so, you know, go over to her and say, uh, hey, R.C., <laughs> R.C. You're the famous R.C. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we go back to Jerry. He is with Janine Garofalo. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to call her Jeannie. I think I might have to just call her uh, Janine the whole time. But uh, they're at the diner. And this is an absurd scene to me, Keeve. Jerry tells the waitress he'll have the usual. Uh, Janine Garofalo orders. She says, I'll have a bowl of Cheerios with milk. And then it's like, wait, what? You're both having a bowl of cereal? Have you ever seen Jerry order cereal one time in Monks in seven seasons of Seinfeld. No, it's not on the menu. It's not possible. You can't get cereal at Monks. <laughs> if you could, it would be at like 8 a.m. only. How is that Jerry's usual? It's insane. Like, don't lie to us. <laughs> like, stop it. Stop it. I mean, if you want it to be, okay, uh, you know what? Let me get a bowl of cereal. Like, oh, I'll have that too. Oh, my God. Where? But there's no way this is Jerry's usual. Like, find me a screenshot of Jerry eating cereal at monks before this some intrepid listener yeah it, you won't find it it's it's an absurd idea even after find me season eight or season nine jerry's eating cereal at monks yeah what a liar <laughs> all right and what a what a waste that's gonna be how much you get charged for a bowl of cereal at monks oh for sure like six bucks more than the entire box of cheerios totally you may as well bring your own cereal bring a plastic <laughs> bowl spoon yeah all right so or you know what you bring you could like because that's too much you can't bring like a whole like cinnamon toast crunch into uh monks but what if you brought one of those like small packets maybe they wouldn't catch you yeah like you know the like the size? school ones with like the the pop top mm-hmm. yeah you pour the milk into the bowl those are like the to-go ones those are convenient yeah all right so we went to kramer coming home uh to jerry's house jerry thinks he's in love yeah, he's the first time in the whole series. He's in love. He's in love, and he's really smitten. He does seem smitten. Uh, Kramer wants to tell him about, hey, hey, there's a new law at the bank or a new rule at the bank. If they don't say hello to you, you get a hundred dollars. Uh, I just I don't know like what like who thought of this promotion, but it's it's really not the dumbest uh, thing in the world. Like who's like you know what? I'm tired of going going to these banks where they don't say hello to you. I mean, are people like are there a lot of Kramers out there who are going to the bank just to try and like do some gotcha banking? I feel like that part of the, you know, what's in the zeitgeist in 1996 is like, 
we're not one of those banks that make you use these newfangled ATM machines that you have to remember your code. Uh, we're the friendly bank where we always have people. Like, I feel like that that's a big thing in the banking industry right now in the mid 90s, where there are some banks that are trying to get you to use the ATM machine. So it's like, a yeah, it's the friendly neighborhood bank. I wonder if there's any real cheap. All those banks are out of business also, by the way. No. Oh, for sure. <laughs> chemical. Yeah, like chemical bank. I wonder if there's any real um, cheap person out there who would like walk into these banks, say hello. And if they say, um, you know, if they say hello, just walk out immediately. Yes, like you're just trying to catch them. You maybe walk in once a day to a teller, say hello. You don't even bank there. I guess maybe you'll you'll try and pretend to open up account if they, uh, you know, if they don't say hello and you have to stick around anyway. So they give you the money. But like just to catch them, walk in. Hello. They say hello. Ah, oh, sorry. I don't need anything. Bye. Yeah. I mean, I think that's Kramer. That's what, what he does. I mean, does he even bank at this bank? I don't think so. <laughs> he just goes, goes down there. That's yeah. what he does. Um, all right. So we end up back in the hallway and uh, George is with Elaine and then with Kramer and says, Elaine's not an usher and Kramer's not an usher. I mean, so I, I feel really sad for them. This is ridiculous. Why? Do you want to be an usher? I don't want to be an usher. You got to go. I want to just be like a regular guest. at the. I don't want to be in anybody's wedding party. No, I feel bad for them. No, I never want to be like I get. I once was like because I told you I gamble at weddings, right? We, we bet on how many people are going to walk up, how long it's going to take. We had an argument over like something and we were Googling. It, it was like pre smartphones. So we were like, you know, on like five dollars a minute on my phone, like on going to like Google dot com. That sounds and we're like. Yeah. And we're like under like the we're like making noise. So we're like sort of like under the seats doing this. And then people start like tapping me. And I'm like, why? Why? Like, why are people like all of a sudden start saying my name? And the rabbi called me up to like say a blessing under the like, at, you know, during the service. But I didn't know the guy didn't tell me beforehand to like be wary. Mm -hmm. You know, So, you know, this is like I guess it's like a what is he, like doing crowd work. He was no, no, no. It was like instead of this guy didn't have like best. Like, not everyone has, like, best men or ushers or something like that. It was like the, you give out the religious ceremony things as honors instead of, instead of like, just having, like, best men or groomsmen or, or uh, you know, bridesmaids. Yeah. So I got one of those, like, honors. I, you know, it was an old, like, high school friend of mine, but I didn't know because he didn't tell me. So I'm literally sitting there, like, gambling, and the whole wedding is, like, calling my name, and I didn't even notice. So I'm not paying any attention because we're, we're betting. And I'm like... Like I have to like put my shoes on and like walk walk all the way up and I'm like postponing the you know delaying the whole wedding by mm -hmm. like two minutes. Yeah, you were not wheels Wienicker that day. No, so my point is uh, you're right. Like I want to be involved as little as possible. I want to be like you know have a couple beers and just like be out of the. I don't want. I want to like make eye contact. Keith, I didn't even know you were a drinker. Only at weddings. Yeah, only at weddings. That's it. Yeah, I, because otherwise it's you know they make me sad. I also I don't want to dance. So I, if you're like on the, if you're, I want to be like the guy on the sideline who's like, you know, like holding court and drinking and, and like, you know, trying to keep people off the dance floor. Okay. So I don't wow. want to dance. Yeah. You're blocking the dance floor. No, but I feel like if I'm being entertaining, then maybe some people like will rather talk to me than dance. I'm not going to dance. Yeah. Well, I can't even hear you if you're on the dance floor. Well, we're like sort of in the corner of the room. We're not on the dance floor. Okay. We're like near it. Got it. Um, so... Now, Elaine says, I don't want to be stuck at the singles table with all the losers. Well, won't you be there with Kramer? Yeah. And you, I mean, you can't put like you can't put some single people and married people at the same table. I feel like there's no scenario where at this wedding of 200 people, 
half of which are like Susan's parents, rich friends, probably that they, you know, there would be a, there would not be a table that would have Jerry, Elaine, George and you know, well, not George, but Jerry, you know, Elaine, the Kramer. Drake, whatever other sort yeah. of like idiot friends George is inviting. Yes. Yeah. That clearly that it's not like George is that many friends. They're all at the same table. Like that's the how the tables work. It's not like, OK, this is couples only at this table. This is the single table. Like if you had like a bunch of random singles, sure, you could put them at a, a table together. They mm-hmm. might have fun, but you're not going to like sit Jerry and his date at a table with like, oh, OK, this is uh, Susan's uh, sister and brother in law. Yeah. The, the last wedding I went to, which was Chester's brother's wedding. Yes. I heard a podcast about it. Yeah. Anybody. I didn't know anybody at the wedding and like everyone else. It was like I was at a couple's table. So there was like five couples and me. And so like they realized I was like the odd man. out. I didn't know anyone. But again, I wasn't dancing and none of those people were dancing. So we're and also we must have been really unimportant because we were like by the speakers, you know, like blasting. You know, that's the, that's like the worst seats in the house. Right. Like right. The, like the band is like play like playing drums into your ear. And anyway, they were. So they said like, hey, like, how are you invited? You're like are you friends with the bride or the groom. I'm like, really? Neither. I'm friends with like the groom's brother. And like, oh, how do you know him? And I, I couldn't say like we went to college together because that's not true. Or like mm-hmm. we grew up together. So I said, like, ah, we do a podcast together. So then, like, the whole table was, like, crying of laughter. I think more at me, probably, than with me. And, like, some of them didn't know what a podcast was. It was, and then I'm like, and they were like, no, it's you terrible. do a podcast? And then, and then I'm like, well, and, like, I really, like, and they were like, how many people listen and all these questions? And I'm like, well, you know, I really do, too. And then I told them I do a podcast about Seinfeld. And, like, the whole table was, like, riotously laughing. They're laughing at you. I no, I I think like I think the women were laughing at me and the guys were laughing with me. Okay, yeah, you just kind of warmed up to me. I feel like that because they had like a hundred follow up questions. They were like interested, but I it was kids. It wasn't like yeah. If it's like sixty year olds, I wouldn't I wouldn't even mention it. Oh, because it was like millennials, and you thought that they would think yeah. you were cool if you talked yeah, about but they were internet stuff. Sure, but one of them like even emailed me. He's like, hey, what is it? I want to when it's afterwards. I want to oh, hear it. So okay, yeah, they weren't I mean, like. They sound like cool people. So now I'm just going to go to weddings and, and uh, <laughs> you know, and just promote the podcast. Hand out flyers like Jerry, put them on the like in the parking lot. Yeah. I have like the the band singer, like, pr- you know, plug it. Yeah. All right. So George tried the cigarettes. They made him sick. Kramer says he has the answer. Uh, he's also smoking a cigar in this scene. Uh, he said the answer is uh, two words for you. Prenup. Every woman is going to get mad when you ask her to sign a prenup. Elaine says she wouldn't sign him. I, to me, even though it ends up backfiring completely, it's a really good idea by Kramer. It is a good idea. It is a good idea. Um, you know, I had talked about getting my wife to sign a prenup. Uh, she said she would not sign one. I don't even, I was like 20. I didn't even know what one was other than like, I thought it was just a thing from Seinfeld. The problem for me is that I probably was at my um, one of my lower points financially at the time that I was getting married. I really had no leverage. Yeah, I don't know. I like I, I also I was a college student, so I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm sort of in the same boat. Yeah, I think I had probably been unemployed for about a year at the time I was getting married in 2010 and uh, really no leg to stand on. And probably I, I, I think at the point if I tried to force the matter in 2010, I think it probably would have been a reaction similar to Susan's. Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't have. I mean, it's awkward talking about money. And I think that's like Susan, even Susan's laughter is sort of like a nervous laughter. Right. I mean, I, I had been unemployed for, you know, a good 
part of the time where we were saving for a wedding. And, you know, I do have to give credit to my wife. My wife spent a lot of money on on our wedding, but she also like worked a lot during that that time as, you know, as as like working a lot of like hours and, and extra shifts and stuff like that. I mean, I had never even held a job when I got married, other than like summer camp counselor. Mm-hmm. Like I had never worked a day in my life. Yeah. <laughs> so no prenup talk came up. No, but the thing is, I think wealthy people get prenups to protect their like family, you know, and or, or they have money. They may not have an income, but they have a lot of money in the bank. Mm-hmm. Right. So really. So that's why Susan says I make more than you. But clearly, maybe she's hiding it. Maybe she's lying. And that's mm-hmm. why George doesn't find that she's wealthy till after she dies. But she de- we find that next season, like she was very wealthy herself. Yeah, they were getting a lot. They were going to have a lot of money. He was going to be a wealthy man. They were going to, you know, give her some major gifts also. So, um, you know, she you know, who cares about what was she like an executive somewhere like at CBS instead of NBC? Now she's making a couple hundred thousand dollars. Like that's not what she's protecting. It's the it's the Ross family fortune. Yeah. So George ends up coming back home and Susan's working on the invitations. Should we invite the Drake? Sure. You got to invite the Drake. Uh, George has something on his mind. He wants Susan to sign a prenuptial agreement. Yeah, I, I think this is probably Susan's best acting of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, they said just laugh maniacally. I'd yes. say her worst acting is when she rolls her eyes backwards like a cartoon when she dies. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. But um, I here she actually does a good job. She's like, you believe that it's just such a ridiculous idea. Yeah. Okay. So he brings that up and then she just starts to uh, laugh and laugh and laugh. Uh, And she says, you know, uh, you don't have any money. I make more money than you do. Yeah. Give me the papers. I'll sign them. Yeah. While laughing the whole time. That's she's mean also to him. Mm hmm. Yeah. Hard to really muster up sympathy for Susan during this episode. (laughs) Yeah. So I skipped the part where Kramer ended up going to the bank uh, by accident. So we could just touch on that now. He goes to the bank. The teller says, hey, Kramer ends up getting upset, saying hello is the same as hey, Keeve, where do you weigh in on this? Yeah, I think, first of all, the bank screwed up. They should have they should have had a lawyer vet it. You get the Chesters of the world in there and they would have changed it to a greeting. If you don't get a greeting. Then you get your hundred bucks because you have to cover your your own self if you're a bank mm-hmm. so you maybe have this fine print maybe you could keep it a hello with an asterisk and then the fine print says like any greeting hello how are you what's up hey you know counts as as the greeting right and if they had this policy they would have like uh hello welcome to chemical bank home of the friendliest bank like you know they, they'd have like right. some sort of like a like pat line that they would do if they had this sort of policy in place yeah and if they're awarding money to people who don't just say the word hello i mean just by accident they're going to give out like five thousand dollars a day <laughs> yeah probably okay so um, we end up with there was an act break after Susan uh, cracks up. I make more money than you. And we come back and we go into a montage of Jerry and Janine Garofalo sort of like stepping over homeless people. Uh, they're making out. They're eating cereal. Uh, the best of times for Jerry and Jeannie. Yeah, it's so confusing that like it's fine. Like Jerry Seinfeld plays Jerry. It's fine to play an actor with your own name. But why change it so slightly that it's that confusing? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't know why they just didn't make her be Janine Garofalo. And she's also a stand up comedian. Yeah. Be Janine or or be, you know, like, uh, you know, Sally. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> it's like, who cares with the initials? But that being said, so 
they're hanging out. There's a deleted scene in there also where they are kissing and talking about how like uh, they really have a good kissing synergy. Kind of gross. Yeah, I don't want to see. That's like seeing your like uncle and aunt. I don't know. It's like gross. <laughs> so I don't. See, I don't. I don't even like seeing Jerry kiss anybody. I feel like we know him too well. Wow. Yeah. Steve. That's a, that's a hot take. That's a hot take. I know. Yeah. So we then have Kramer come in and he talks about what happened at the bank. And uh, he says that they didn't say hello. They said, hey. And Jerry says, no, that's that counts. And uh, Janine Garofalo also weighs in and she says, yeah, that counts. That is, he said, hey, uh, that counts as hello. And Kramer is pretty off put by this. Yeah, this really hurts his feelings. Yeah. He's like, oh, big surprise. Yeah, they're teaming up against him. Mm hmm. All right. Over at Susan's house, she gets the delivery of the box of invitations. She signs for it and comments on, boy, these are so cheap. I mean, I don't know why is she paying for them at the door. I don't know why she uh, has to keep bringing up the fact that the envelopes were so cheap. I mean, I guess maybe they had them in like a store, you know, like a storage facility and the store sent them to her house. But then she's got to pay like this delivery guy the same way you're paying for like Chinese food. All right. And then uh, from Ping. Well, yeah, or the or the invitations equivalent of pink. <laughs> and so, yeah. And then next week they're going shopping for rings and we're not going to go cheap on the rings. I mean, is this uh, this is like the wedding ring, not the engagement ring, which I assume he's given her. Well, we don't know if he got her an engagement ring. He just went to her apartment and then proposed. He was on a park bench and he went right from there to her house. Yeah, because one <laughs> we have no idea. It was never mentioned the engagement right. ring. One problem is like if you got this fancy fiance, you got to get her a really nice ring. Well, that was the beauty of sort of like uh, proposing spur of the moment. He just didn't have to like save up two months of salary or anything like that. Yeah. But how much like like does he never have to give her a ring just because he proposed spontaneously? I guess so. I don't think it works like she already said. Yes. Where is she going? I mean, yes, you can get away with it, but I feel like she's going to what's going to happen. She's going to break up with him. Yeah, I guess that's ideal, right? I mean, he may may have behind the scenes really put in work to try and get out of this relationship and just it never happened. Yeah. All right, so we go back to Kramer and Jerry, and uh, Jerry is getting ready to go out, and he says that Janine Garofalo is coming to the comedy club. Kramer doesn't like her. No, he's he's not into this. He's you know Kramer's secretly in love with Jerry, <laughs> like Elaine. I I think maybe like ultimately, all three of them are just secretly in love with Jerry. It's interesting. Could be, and, and he doesn't want to see like a big Jerry love. be happy. Yeah. yeah. With anybody. Yeah, that's oh, it's like a modern big love. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I love I like it. (laughs) It's it's a really modern big love. Uh, So Kramer did not like her from the get go. Uh, No, I mean, he's so possessive of Jerry. He's never going to like any of her uh, of of Jerry's uh, lady friends. Yeah. And so that Kramer, he can't take it. And so Jerry says, well, if you can't take that, then maybe you can't take me. Kramer's just like uh, yelling by the end. Oh, God, help us. (laughs) I mean, how could Jerry be so like, uh, yes, Jerry's more smitten than he's been in the past. But like his relationships never last more than one episode. I feel like Kramer should be a little calmer here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Kramer is really worked up. Maybe the whole bank thing is getting to him. Yeah, that hundred bucks is really putting a, a crimp in his style. Yeah. All right, so we see our first shot of Susan licking the envelopes. Uh, it's not going well. No, I mean, at a certain point, she should have just gone out and bought the glue. Probably I think. at this point, it's like it's just going OK. She's just like, OK, whatever. Just licking the envelopes. It gets worse. I think we see three times Susan licking the envelopes. Yes. Yeah. The third time she croaks or at least is on her way to death. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, yeah, I, like at a certain point, come on, why are you licking uh, 300 envelopes, Susan? I mean, you're, it's called, you're loaded. If not a sponge, it's called a paper towel and like, uh, you know, a cup of water. Uh, I don't know why she continued to lick so many envelopes. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I couldn't do one. I'd be afraid of paper cut on my tongue. You've never licked an envelope. Before? I have, but I don't. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't lick two envelopes. If I had to lick two envelopes, I would get a you know some sort of a sponge. One of like the worst professional days I ever had. I when I, I I finished college and like I started teaching, but before I was a teacher, I was like a substitute for a few weeks mm-hmm. until they realized like, oh, he should be like a regular teacher. He's good. <laughs> and until and then they realized a couple years like, oh no, he shouldn't be no teacher. Um, the um, so like so I was a substitute, and there was one day where no one was absent but okay. they still they still had like called me to come in i came in every single day it's like oh we don't have any teaching for you to do but we have like our big it was a you know school's a non-profit they have like a big fundraiser we're ma- sending out to like all of our mailing list it's like 1200 people so just put the stamps on like put uh, the stickers you know we printed out like every, on every address is on like a sticker put a sticker on the thing and close up the envelope and there's like 1200 of them and like, that's your whole day. You'll do that from like nine to five. Yeah. And it was the worst day of my whole life. It was so monotonous. It was so much like closing the envelopes. And, it, you know, I was not meant to do like secretarial work. I, I'm, I'm incompetent. And it was truly terrible. And I remember they said, like, you know, I was going to take an hour lunch break. Uh, and it was so bad. I just worked straight from nine to four and left at four. I didn't even stop to eat because I just needed to get out of there. So, you know, so badly. Okay. I didn't have lunch. It was a big deal for me. <laughs> that was the worst part. <laughs> It was like the worst day of my life. It was terrible. I sat there like licking, you know, or, or closing like 1,200 envelopes. Mm-hmm. Did you get paper cuts? I'm sure I did. I was probably like bleeding by the end of the day. And no lunch. What did you do? I think I went out for like at four o'clock. I left, I left uh, the school and I went out for like a late lunch, early dinner, like a lunch. Yeah. No, I get very cranky if I don't get meals at a regular. I know, interval. but I knew if I left, I was going to quit the job and never come back. It was so miserable. Like if I left that building to go to go out to eat i was not coming back to four more hours of uh of of envelope stamping Mm -hmm. all right uh jerry is on the pier and we see sort of a recreation of this shot from the beginning of the season where he's looking at happy people he sees kissing people he sees a baby in a stroller and eventually he leaves runs away inspired past the seagulls and off the pier uh, or back back to wherever, you know, what, what, what pier is this? Would you say this is Brooklyn, uh, Coney Island? Yeah, where is he? Yeah, pro- probably Coney Island. There aren't a lot of piers in Manhattan. OK. All right. So cut back to Susan. Uh, not looking as good. She's fading. Yeah, she's struggling big time with the invitation. Like, Susan, go, go have a glass of water. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, she's just but she's like me. She's just going to get going. You know, it's so bad. You just got it. Rip off the bandaid. You can't you can't stop. You'll never get going again. <laughs> You'll never get going again. Um, the laugh track on the audience, I, or I, I guess it's, you know, not a laugh track. It's an audience that comes in and watches it. I don't know necessarily how they did this with just sort of like this, like setup of Susan licking the envelopes, but they are laughing away at this. They must. It's possible that they did not use the live studio audience for the scene where she where she dies well they don't right because it's in the hospital so they have no reason to know that they're watching her death at this point mm-hmm. so it's not yeah. as inappropriate that they're laughing it must have been very odd to go to the taping of this 
and expect it to be, you know, that, that'd be interesting to get the audience reaction. I, I really, you know, re- remembered it from, you know, in watching her like licking the envelopes because the audience is like really loud. But in terms of the scene with the doctor at the end, like, was there a studio audience there? Because I feel like that you would probably could get like uh, an odd reaction that you don't want, like booing or hissing or. Yeah, oh. I don't think I don't think they I, I don't think they used one. They, the show was I, this did not leak. I don't think that that she was going to die. They were pretty careful. And just two years later, you know, it really became a bigger deal. Probably with Lost was like the show that like. People were always trying to spoil. It was probably the first show that... No, Sopranos. Yeah, but people weren't trying to spoil like season one of The Sopranos. That was the finale people were trying to spoil. No, but but even from the, you know, early going people like they had, yeah. like, I think, I think they like printed scripts on like red paper where you couldn't yeah. like Xerox it. Yeah, okay. So you're probably right. I think Lost became a big one also where it's like they, you know, they really tried to keep things in S. But anyway, the Seinfeld finale never leaked. Nobody knew... What was going to happen? There was like articles about how nobody knows what it's about even. Um, so I think it's not so crazy that two years earlier they were pretty tight with this one scene here. So I, I think there's no studio audience. OK. Yeah. I don't know how they did this. They didn't talk about it in any of the inside looks or anything like that. Uh, so we go back to Kramer at the bank and uh, he goes to talk to the manager and the teller didn't say hello. This is a very awkward scene here where they say, okay, teller, could you come over here? And he says, yeah, can you give me a minute? And there's just like a, a very weird beat between Kramer yeah. and the manager of the bank. Very strange. It's almost like they did 45 takes and they took like the weirdest one. They took like, <laughs> hey, let's, let's just do one where uh, you, you know, we, we wait here and you ask me about like the type of wood on the desk in 20 seconds. And then yeah. for some reason, they took that take. It makes no sense. It's, it's one so of weird. The, it's one of the weirdest cuts of the whole series. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, is this oak? No, I think it's pine. Pine's OK. Uh, so we end up with a bunch of the uh, tellers uh, that were first. Our main teller comes over and he says he said, hey, so they have sort of like this is like in baseball where they bring in like the, the first base umpire, second base umpire, the third base umpire, and they huddle up to review whether or not this counts. And we have a bunch of people, including Carol uh, Leifer. I mean, oh, it's Leifer, first of all. Is it Leifer? Yeah. No, it's Leifer. I think we established it's yeah. Leifer. Yeah. People get mad when I say, um, I, yeah, I, they say, hello, what's up? You know, her second uh, appearance, right? Who was she the first time? She was the receptionist in the uh, dermatologist's office. Okay. I feel like writers love putting themselves in the scenes. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think she probably said, oh, this is me in the scene. I mean, she's not necessarily like the writer on this episode either. Right. But it's I guess if you're a writer and you're on set, it's probably good. Like, hey, we need someone. OK, let's just use you. OK. Yeah. And they all come over and they're like, uh, like, uh, how's it going? Like, uh, what's going on? Uh, so none of them say hello when they come over and they have a meeting and the bank manager says to Kramer, Look, you got a greeting that starts with an H. How does 20 bucks sound? Yeah. I, 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 what is the purpose of this scene? Uh, I think that they were just, this is a Kramer has to have a storyline. Michael Richards is going to go nuts if he doesn't have a, a storyline in an episode. Totally. But it's just so unconnected to the rest of the episode. Yeah. You know, we haven't had a good time to talk about this. And because it's a deleted scene, I don't know when you want to ultimately get into it. I feel like uh, it would be sort of just like tacked on to talk about it at the end of everything. But there's a whole subplot in this episode of 
Elaine is going to get a date for the wedding because she doesn't want to sit at the singles table. And she her date is going to be George Steinbrenner. I mean, it's totally bananas. Do you do you think that could they have cut like some of the Kramer stuff and put in the Steinbrenner stuff? Would you have been fine with that? Well, and for the people that are, you know, the uninitiated who have not seen these deleted scenes, they're available on the DVD and maybe you can see them on YouTube as well. Yeah. But it is not the Larry David voiced George Steinbrenner. They really got George Steinbrenner to play George Steinbrenner in this episode. And it's insane. And it's not good. I mean, there's a reason they cut it. But do you think if they I mean, but a lot of times the deleted scenes like they have a take. They realize it doesn't work. Like if they could have tinkered with it, you think it, there's a chance it could have worked or he's just no. too hopeless. As an no, actor. it's too hopeless. And it, it's like everything with George Steinbrenner that they've done is so funny. It's so good with Larry David voicing it. And then the real George Steinbrenner comes on and he's nothing like the character that Larry David was doing. It's like almost like it breaks the whole fiction of the show that now why is George Steinbrenner totally different? Is it possible that the boss did not even like use the lines they were giving him? <laughs> no, I don't think he was ad libbing, but he just he was not good. I mean, I think he hosted Saturday Night Live also one time. I don't know necessarily if we want to take a look at that footage and go full Chester and see how he is with reading cue cards. I don't think they have cue cards on the Seinfeld set. No, I think uh, I think Chester will send next week. He'll write in his whole uh, review. Didn't he brag a couple weeks ago about how he's seen every episode of Saturday Night Live? Oh, I don't know. I don't recall. I'm that. pretty sure he said that. So I think uh, I think he, he'll I write. Know in. He he'll was a completist his... on that show also. Oh, he oh, he is. Oh, for sure. He is. He's ranked every single cast member. He's got cast. Oh, member I didn't rankings. know that. He's got every every cast member rings. I'm sure I don't think he listens to the Saturday Night Live post show recap. Does he? I don't think he does. I've never gotten an email about it. He might not know it exists. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's going to be half the show from now on. Um. Anyway, yeah, he'll send you his rankings of like all hundred whatever people have been on SNL. Yes. Well, he is a, a comedy maven. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How come people don't use the word maven anymore? That's so maven. The the kosher uh, sort of like Burger King knockoff because Burger Kings aren't kosher. When I was a kid in Queens, the kosher Burger King knockoff was called Burger Maven. Burger Maven. Okay. It was right across the street from my house. Burger Maven. <laughs> so just going back to the George Steinbrenner thing. I mean, it's really crazy that they had a big guest star in the world of Seinfeld in George Steinbrenner. They've been doing the George Steinbrenner character for two seasons. They finally get him on the show. And I'm sure they felt like, hey, season finale. And like, oh, look who's here. George Steinbrenner. And... They cut all these scenes with him. There's like three different scenes that he's in and they had to cut them all because they really are so off putting. It's so bizarre. Yeah, they're unusable. I, to me, what's weirdest is that they bring him back for the finale and then they can't use his scenes there. He gets cut out of the finale, which who no one got cut out of. You know, he basically gets cut out. You know, they picked 30 people ahead of him at the trial. Um, but it's weird that they went back to that well you know, knowing how bad he was. Why did they cut him from the finale? Probably because it's, I'm not sure if that scene, those, that, that scene is in the deleted scenes. I'm not sure it's ever been shown. I'd have to double check. 
Okay, we'll look for uh, uh, it. But but I mean, the answer is pretty clear. No, the same reason they cut him from this because he's he's not good. So it's bizarre. So he's there, and he, the, the one scene that he's in that it, we're in Yankee Stadium where he's going to go to the date. He wants to be Elaine's date, and he doesn't want to sit at the singles table like some loser. Now, isn't George Steinbrenner married? Yeah, he's he was married. Uh, yeah, he was definitely married. So I don't know why he's necessarily coming on to Elaine here, but then Elaine like goes to dinner with him. And then things really get bizarre. So that, that one scene in Yankee Stadium, that's fine. I think you could have lived with that. That would have been like a fun cameo. But the scene where he goes to dinner with Elaine is so crazy where he says to Elaine, like she, she's sitting in the chair and uh, she comes in and he's like facing away from the camera, like the traditional seat where we normally see George Steinbrenner. And he says to her, like, basically like, oh, did you want to sit here? Uh, should I sit here? And they end up like switching seats. And then they do like Julia Louis-Dreyfus, like with the voiceover, sort of like the way that they do Steinbrenner. And then he's like George, just like leaving the room. And it's like, he's like freaked out, but you don't really understand why. And she's talking really crazy, like George Steinbrenner, but how she doesn't want to wear shoes anymore. It's a mess. It is a mess. But again, like they would have done, if they knew they were using this, I imagine they would have taken a bunch more takes. Like we're just seeing like dress rehearsal, possibly. Uh, maybe I, I guess so but uh, i don't know and ultimately george steinberg said then he also did not like the script he didn't like that they killed susan i mean stick to sports <laughs> he thought that was terrible how they killed that woman yeah i mean heidi agreed you know i'm happy no one this whole seventh season has called me out on my reneged promise which was that that i would get ukulele lessons from heidi swedberg <laughs> yeah that was you way back that? <laughs> i remember you were gonna hire her on skype Yes, I was going to have her teach my kid ukulele because what am I going to do with a ukulele? And my kid wanted a ukulele, but they kids, the thing with musical instruments is one day they want it and you spend like 500 bucks on it and then they never do it again. Yeah, forget that. Forget that. You could play the harmonica, kid. That's right. What's the cheapest? How about I do the that tambourine? Whatever, whatever like George did with the invitations book, I do that with instruments. Like, what is the cheapest instrument you could possibly play? Like a toy flute sold. Yeah. We now see Jerry at the comedy club and he basically pulls Janine Garofalo aside and just blurts out, will you marry me? Why he needs to get engaged after knowing her for two days. We don't know. Yeah. And obviously she says yes. Like we see her start to smile and they cut away. We don't even see her say yes. Yeah. Okay. So in the deleted scenes, there's a little bit more of the whole thing at the comedy club, but nothing important. No, they could even cut the second scene of the toast, honestly. Yeah. All right. So we cut back to then Susan. She is licking envelopes. And as you mentioned, then her eyes roll back in her head like a cartoon character that got hit on the head with an anvil and uh, she falls backwards and dies. I I mean, this is the best they could have done. I don't know. (laughs) No. I like, mean, uh, do they think we're so dumb that we're not going to know that she like passed out? Well, I mean, it's a comedy. So I, I feel like that if you want to play somebody dying in comedy, I mean, if she ends up going into like a seizure, I, I mean, that hard to play that for laughs. I just think like the eye roll was a little bit too much. That's what it was. Problem. It was. But I think that they went super cartoony because, you know, what they're doing is so dark. Yeah. Okay. Fine. You know that the real life version of this uh, probably does not play as well for the studio audience. I would guess not. No, I don't think so. But the uh, huge laughs. Yes. So 
at the comedy club. Uh, Jerry's getting married and, you know, we're seeing him uh, toasting everybody. We see George come home and looks over at Susan on the floor. Again, big laughs from the audience. George looking at the dead body of Susan. Right. Well, before that, we see George like walking down the street. Then he walks into the comedy club and, you know, and Jerry tells him he's getting married. Yeah. And and he says, you know, Jerry says getting married September 21st, which also puts him like that's that's the Saturday after the what will eventually be the season premiere of season eight. Uh, so I guess like I do think that was like they were actually considering maybe like having to get married or whatever, or like at least extending the storyline into, you know, episodes one and two. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. But I also like George like walking down the street happy. Like, why is George happy when he's walking down the street? Hmm. You know what um, I mean? Like, unless he has, you know, how twins have this like ESP and let's like if one of them is in trouble, the other one sort of senses it. People say he knows something good is happening. What if like George has that? Like he knows that Susan has died and that's why he's walking down the street happily. Because it's unless he has some other idea, like his ideas have all struck out. Yeah. The prenup is being signed. The smoking didn't work. Why is he happy? Maybe because Susan has more money than him. And then maybe he starts to feel like maybe uh, things will be OK. No, there's like something missing. I don't know. Uh, I guess because Jerry like, said that he was going to fulfill his end of the pact. So I guess he I, felt like that at I least guess. they would both be married. Yeah. Misery loves company, I guess. Yeah. All right. So again, George finds uh, Susan's dead body. I guess Susan is not dead yet at that point uh, that she is, you know, she's been laying there for God knows how long, but I guess George is going to call the paramedics. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I wonder if George had a snack first, knowing George. Yeah. I mean, I wonder what his reaction was in terms of like on the ambulance ride. He's like, okay, hang in there, honey. I mean, was he concerned? I feel like uh, for himself, he was concerned, but you know, I'm sure he also made some small talk. Yeah, probably. All right. So Jerry and Janine Garofalo are at the diner and they're going to get some coffee. Uh, First, she's going to order more cereal. Uh, Jerry is upset because she's had cereal for breakfast, uh, lunch and dinner. Um, You know, she wants to know uh, what's the deal with decaf? What's the deal with brunch? And Jerry is not happy. Yeah. I mean, it's just like being at the other side of the table from him. Mm -hmm. No, he's not into it. And by the time he gets home, he realizes that he's made a big mistake. He hates himself. Yeah. Um, Kramer says Frank called him and told him about how he was engaged. Uh, not Frank Costanza, is it? Gotta be. That's. I mean, it's a weird thing, but I think the idea is like, I guess Jerry and, and Kramer have been fighting. So like Jerry wouldn't tell him. So Frank calls. Why not? How did Frank Costanza find that? Did George call Frank Costanza and say, hey, Jerry's getting married? Of course. George said, hey, Jerry's getting what, married. What, do you go to a pay phone? Yeah, I don't know. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Yeah, because we don't know the timeline here, Rob. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. Do Frank and Estelle Costanza get invited to Jerry's wedding if he gets married? Yeah, I think so. I think they have to, right? Right. But Helen and Morty, and it's a little different because they, you know, they hate each other. Helen and Morty are not invited to George's wedding. Yeah, but they live in Florida. I guess. Yeah. You know, they might get an you invitation. Invite them, they get a check. But then what would you, what kind of check is Helen, is Morty sending? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll send them something. <laughs> that's like, that's how you know, like, who your, like, close friends are. That their parents are also invited to, to the wedding. Yeah. All right. And so Kramer is uh, rubbing some salt in the wound of, you know, um, that, you know, it's too bad you got engaged. And Jerry's like, yeah, it's too bad. Uh, so the two guys are sort of like uh, still a little bit, a little bit of tension, but the phone rings and it's George. And, um, you know, something's happened to Susan. They're at the hospital. Jerry says, I'll call Elaine and get down there. Why? Why? What do we need her for? Yeah, what's Elaine going to do? Yeah, I guess we need the core four. We you need support. Uh, you know who doesn't get called? Who? The parents of the deceased. Yes. 
Well, maybe George didn't think she was going to die. Right. But at a certain point, like, like I'm going to be bored by the time she's dead. I feel like they should be at the hospital unless they were like, on right. You feel like that maybe they should call the Rosses before they get coffee. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, maybe he needed to like, you know, let it sink in before he was going to call. Did he call the Rosses before he called Marissa Tomei? Uh, yeah. I the Rosses at this point for sure. No. Yes. Okay. I mean, on on her form at the hospital next to Kin is probably like she hasn't changed it probably to George. It's probably still her parents. Mm-hmm. All right. So we get to the famous scene at the hospital and the doctor comes over and wants to know, are you the husband? And uh, he, you know, very bluntly says, I'm, I'm sorry. She's gone. She's expired. I think it's why I couldn't be a doctor. These conversations are, are horrible. I mean, that is uh, incredibly tough. And uh, George is asking, uh, are you sure? Of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I, she's, and George's like, she's dead? Uh, and the doctor says, yes. And George's response is, huh. Um, so the doctor has a theory. Had she been exposed to inexpensive glue? I mean... What did they do? A toxicology report in the last five seconds? Maybe he sees it all the time. No. Boy, you think this was like a thing going around? It was like the Zika virus? Yeah, probably. People were coming. No, no. This is uh, this is insane. Like that's something you find out like two months later. Well, they found traces of a certain toxic adhesive commonly found in very low priced envelopes. Where'd they find it? That maybe she couldn't even open her mouth. It might have been glued shut. Maybe. I mean, this must have been rampant if for, for him to know this off the top of his head. It must have been something he knew to look for. So this must have been rampant in the in the mid 90s. Yeah. In Keith, City. Did Susan have an allergy or if any normal, healthy adult licked all those envelopes, uh, they would have also had the same thing happen. I mean, she's soft. Yeah. You know, she couldn't. No handle constitution. No. Yeah. I feel like I feel like, you know, like a tougher person could have handled it. Yeah. George says, well, we were expecting like 200 people. So what do you figure? That's like, what, 100 plus invitations? Not everybody has a date. Yeah, plus some people bring their kids or or like, you know, they're like uh, it's a whole family. So, yeah, that's about 100 invitations. Yeah. So George tells the core four she's gone. Yeah. I mean, th- I think they all play it. So well. it's funny because like George is writing this line where he's like not happy yet, mm-hmm. but he's like not hysterical crying like you'd expect someone to be when they find that their fiance dies. So it's it's, uh, you know, Jason Alexander plays this pretty well. here. Yeah. And they're all like, uh, Dad, I'm so sorry, George. Me, too. Kramer uh, gives us poor Lily. You get to laugh from what we think is a fake laugh track. Fake laugh track. And so how did it happen? It was glue in the wedding invitations. Uh, Now, they don't necessarily know that the wedding invitations were cheap. I mean, it must seem much more like a fluke thing to them. Probably. I mean, it may have come up. George may have said, like, at least I scrimped, uh, you know, like I went cheap on the wedding invites. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kramer, you know, says that's weird. And Jerry is asking, so I guess you're not getting married. And George um, is like, yeah, not getting married. I mean, it's like, you know, people were upset at like, you know, oh, George is. But they're really like so nonplussed by this that it's almost impossible for George to even be upset. Mm -hmm. And Jerry is upset. He said, well, now I'm engaged. Yeah. And again, I love this callback to, you know, the beginning of season seven. We're ending the same way we started. I thought we were both getting married. And George tells us, like, well, what can I tell you? (laughs) And it's time for some coffee. And Elaine is the one who says, like, all right. <laughs> so um, George says, let's get some coffee. And we close on Jerry yelling, we had a pack. Yeah, which is exactly how we started the season. I mean, it's a perfect scene. It's one of the most iconic scenes, obviously controversial, but 
Uh, I think it's pitch perfect. That wouldn't change anything about this scene. No, it's really, it's so really shocking great. the first time you see it. I'd love to get the answer on the audience. I wonder, Keeve, now we talked about this is perfect. Uh, when we have the tag, we come back and we see George on the phone. He is calling Marissa Tomei and yeah. reminds her of who he is. And he's not engaged anymore. Uh, his fiance died. Toxic glue from the wedding invitations. He has the funeral tomorrow, but his weekend is pretty wide open. And he was wondering, and then she hangs up on him. Was it too much to have the Marissa Tomei phone call? Was it too offensive? You mean like, yeah, too, uh, incent- I don't think so. I think I, I think you want to end on your best scene. So I don't think you need the tag here, you know, or you could maybe tag with like a like a closing stand a bit. And I mean, I don't know at this point if they realize they probably don't realize at this point it's the last stand up ever that, mm-hmm. you know, but. Something that's like out of the canon of the show. Uh, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I do think it's also a good scene. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I feel like maybe it might have been too much. I feel like that for the people that were upset that they killed Susan, I feel like that this was maybe rubbing salt in the wound. I, I guess. But who cares about those people? What are we going to cater to every, every, you know, everyone who's like, I feel like know, that one scene was so great. I feel, I feel like that this was maybe like spiking the football in the end zone. I hear you, but you're allowed to spike. You can't just throw it into the stands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder if maybe it might've just been funnier to go back to the diner and just see them like, uh, not necessarily carrying on, but just sort of like, you know, a little bit more like business as usual. But again, it's like the last season is so, or the last scene is so perfect. Um, I I almost wish that that's how this episode ends. I I think you're right. I think I seen the diner where they were just like not even mentioning it. Maybe. Yeah. That might work. Okay. There we go. Uh, you know, almost like when they get back to in the jail cell and they're like, uh, like, uh, yeah. what's with that button on that shirt? You know, just sort of like just like uh, nothing phases these people. Yeah, no, I agree. OK, like if George was talking about like something completely irrelevant, mm-hmm. like not even mentioning Susan, that might be it's more subtle. This is very on the nose, but uh, maybe maybe it doesn't take away from like the impact of the of the hospital scene. All right, Keith, let's talk about this. Um, I feel like uh, a near flawless episode. They certainly dodged a bullet with the whole George Steinbrenner business. Uh, I mean, that could have been a, a real black mark on this episode. Um, yeah, I right. I think uh, Where they I, ruined the George Steinbrenner character. People remember. Like, yeah, if you're talking about like people remember the Kramer bit, I don't think it adds anything, but like it's it's not bad. And it's and it's not like for like a really tertiary storyline. It's not it's not terrible, but the Steinbrenner uh, stuff would have been terrible. super forgettable. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, oh, it is. It is. Yeah. All right. But I'm saying it's not an it's not an episode ruiner is my point. All right. What about Kramer? So it's Kramer at the bank. It's a D. A D. Wow. I was going to say it's a B. I mean, it's I feel like it's just pretty harmless. Yeah, but it just adds so little. It's they, they make so little effort to tie it in anywhere else that it's it, it's not really what we're used to at this point. Like okay. the, the stakes are are higher. I mean, Elaine's storyline mostly gets cut. I mean, do, can you even give her a letter grade in this episode? I don't. I mean, what is her storyline? Uh, she doesn't want to sit at the table with the single people. Right. Like her storyline is that she isn't an usher and she wants to be an usher. I mean, her scenes and her stories with George Steinbrenner and it all gets cut. Yeah, she's in. She's only in a couple scenes in the whole episode. Actually, yeah. it's probably the light, the lightest Elaine we've had in in. Other than like, you know, the one she's not in. And did she have a tantrum like Michael Richards and Jason Alexander do? Well, it's a little different when your scenes get cut than when they weren't in there in the first place. Okay. I'm sure she knew. She knew working with uh, George Steinbrenner. Same way they knew working with Susan. Like it was with Heidi. It was worth, you know, 
killing her off because they knew she you know wasn't a great actress yeah all right so we're gonna give her an incomplete yeah we'll give her an inc okay what about jerry with everything with Janine garofalo it's hard to it's hard to really gauge i think it was more exciting at the time but i i, I like it i'll give it an a minus yeah i'll give it an a i mean there's uh nothing wrong with that it's iconic and it's funny so i feel like that those are really the two big criteria and then what about George with Susan and the invitations? Um, I have to give it an A. Yeah, Keith, I can't even believe that there was hesitation. Well, I was wondering if I do if we do A pluses. I didn't remember if we do A pluses. Yeah. Uh, if there is an A plus, you do an A plus. Uh, I mean, it's maybe the most, uh, you know, what top five iconic George storyline. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For, it, it, you, might, you might say infamous more than iconic, but yeah, I agree. Okay, so Keith... We go back to the list now. I know you are not giving us your top nine, but I feel like this has to be in your top nine. No, I, it's it's definitely not. Oh, I'm it's definitely not. Like oh, my God. Where no. is it? I mean, to me, it's the scene is so great. But is this an iconic episode before that? I don't know. I, what I else is know. going on in the marine biologist before that? Yeah, I guess. But to me, that scene is just so funny. Maybe I'm way too harsh on this, but I, I don't have it in my top nine. What is it? Yeah, I have it at 46. 46? Get out of here. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. yeah. What's funny is people wrote in, I, I cut him out of the mailbag, but a couple people wrote in is like, oh, this is such a like, classic episode. And I think Chester wrote in and said like, this, it's an overrated episode. Oh boy. No, I think this is really, really great. I mean, what are you going to get rid of if you're going to uh, say there's a problem with this episode? <sighs> I think the Kramer storyline is nothing. I mean, it's nothing, but it's not bad. No, it's not bad. Um, I, I mean, even Jerry and Janine, like there's some useless scenes in that sort of whole thing. Yeah, I mean, like, is it really funny? I think it is. I, I think it. I, I, I like kind of find her annoying. I was never a big Janine. I think that you're an also. anti Garofalite. Oh, I definitely am. Yeah. So I think that that's what's hurting this. Yeah. She needs to get on Twitter also. Okay. Why? You don't even like her. I know, but I feel bad. I feel bad. There's every, I Googled her before and it's like every article is like, you know, her like pathetic decline. It's depressing. Yeah. Um, give she me the comeback. athlete uh, comparison for Janine Garofalo. Well, the problem is her relevance. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like. She sort of had a great start to the career. Uh, yeah. Looked like a superstar in the making. But then kind of like uh, floundered a bit, but it's had like some longevity sort of like below it. replacement level. She's Jeff Francoeur. Jeff Francoeur. Yeah. Okay. She was, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated like three weeks into his career. And that was his peak. Yeah. Still playing also, right? Still playing. Yeah. Amazingly. Every year gets a job and he's bad. <laughs> there you go. She's not bad. She's not bad. But that's really I good. Think it's a good comp. Good job. Yeah. All right, Keeve. So then time to get into the mailbag. Yeah, time okay. to get in the mailbag. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Final mailbag of season seven. Here we go. Also, uh, just a little bit of a programming note that Keeve and I have recorded a special treat for you guys who are interested in the reality TV as well to commemorate seven seasons of the Seinfeld podcast over on Rob Has a Podcast. Keeve and I will be talking about the Seinfeld season of Big Brother, where we play out a full season of Big Brother with the characters from Seinfeld. Look for that uh, coming up early uh the week of thanksgiving how about that uh yeah I, w- if someone doesn't know big brother do you think they could follow that podcast sure sure what, what do yeah. they care yeah yeah give it a shot turn it off if you don't like it yeah turn it off if you do like it whatever <laughs> yeah go crazy go crazy all right let's get into our mailbag uh do we have a, a heavy mailbag this week i'd say it's medium medium mailbag okay so 
Let's get into it. Why don't we start it off? Johnny DeSilvera, just thought I'd let you two know, going into the invitation, the total post-show recaps Seinfeld podcast runtime stands at 173 hours, 31 minutes, and 17 seconds. It's a lot of time. Yeah. Do you ever think about, like, our great, like, our great, great-grandparents? Like, my, you know, my great-great-grandfather was, like, a butcher in Toronto in, like, a slaughterhouse, probably for, like, 16 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And, like, and then, like, if they found out, like, first, like, we'd have to explain them, like, you know, what we do. And it's, like, we'd have to explain them what, what the TV is and then, like, what Seinfeld is and then what the Internet is and then what a podcast is. But if we could somehow explain it to them, I feel like they would have, like, cut off their gene pool before they let yeah, us what do 173 hours. a waste hours. of time. <laughs> before they do 100, let us do 173 hours of this podcast. Yeah. No. They would have been like, no, my... I, I, I need to be like George Washington. I need to have no more descendants. That's it. Well, George Washington cut off his gene pool. I mean, he didn't do it on purpose, but there, he has no direct descendants. Okay. George Washington. Why? You know, think about it. If you, I don't know. But I th- you think about it. If like George, man, I don't know. Marsha, maybe, maybe she was like barren. I'm not sure. Mm. But if George Washington uh, like had like great, great grandkids, I feel like they would be like Kennedy's. No, you'd know all about him. Probably. I mean, be American royalty. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, does Lincoln have descendants? I think he had a crazy wife. I don't know. There's some president for, that from who was president in like 1800 who still has like grandkids. It's a crazy story. Mm-hmm. Okay. He had he had kids when he was like 70, and then his kids had kids, and it's like they have, I forget who it is. Well, it's Johnny Silvera. You know, Trump, lots of kids. Yeah, that yeah, lots of sons also. That really keeps the family name going. Yeah, that helps. I'm the fourth or fifth generation in a row of one Wienicker. Yeah. Where like if I don't if I mean I have a son, but if I didn't have a son, that's it for the Wienickers. Yeah. The name goes. Obama just had daughters and uh and and uh George Bush, uh George W. Yeah, Bush but Obama's got daughter. that wacky cousin on Twitter. He could like keep the family <laughs> I guess name. So. I guess so. <laughs> uh Neutral. yeah. Okay, we let's like go politics. All right. So <laughs> Roger, uh what does he have to say? All right. So Roger's excited to finally be able to share the story with someone because it's been rattling around in his brain for half a decade and he's just been waiting for it to be relevant. So when Roger was in high school, he worked in an office where one day one of the file clerks decided she wasn't going to lick any envelopes anymore because she saw this episode of Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she had missed the plot point that the envelopes in question were poisonous for a specific reason and assumed that all envelopes were just as dangerous. This was a solid 15 years after the episode originally aired, but I guess she had seen a rerun or something. It progressed to the point that more than one person in the office refused to lick any envelopes because they were afraid of getting poisoned until eventually... The office manager went out and brought glue, bought glue sticks for everyone to use instead. Got that Elmer's. It was one of the most bizarre, bizarre experiences of my youth, watching grown women worry about dying the same way a sitcom character did. Is the whole poisonous glue thing a real phenomenon or was it just made up for the sake of offing Susan? Yeah. So I don't think it was a phenomenon, but I do believe that this did happen to somebody because in the inside look, one of the writers is talking about how like somebody knew somebody like in the 40s or something that this did happen to somebody. It sounds apocryphal, though. It's more of like an urban legend. Could be. Pre-internet, you could start any rumor. Uh, I would beg to disagree, Keeve, that it is no far snopes. easier to start a rumor post-internet. From what I yeah. hear on the news, I spoke. I spoke to Mark Zuckerberg. He said it's impossible to start. Rumor mm, no I don't know about that, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Dr. Thomas. Dr. Thomas has a hot take on on what we're talking about. <laughs> the Seinfeld poster recap is now blessed with an actual doctor. He's no longer a medical correspondent or a med student correspondent. Yeah, that's right. He's been in med school the whole time. Now he's a real doctor. Yes. Uh, Dr. Thomas says, I remember hearing Susan's death was actually based off a true case. I haven't been able to find any credible sources to back this up, but I suspect it's rubbish. 
The bigger issue comes from the final scene. A lot is made of the gang's non-emotional reaction, but I'm just as horrified by the doctor's bedside manner. Bad news should never, ever be broken that way. It's almost as unforgivable as him not seeing the junior mint fall into Elaine's boyfriend. Okay, so yeah, I forgot that this is the same doctor. There's only one doctor in the Seinfeld. You know, a small town like Manhattan. You know, you have basically just one doctor. That's right. He's the best, but he's also the only one there is. Yes, besides the ass man. That's right. (laughs) Proctologist isn't good. You don't want the proctologist to tell you that your fiance died. That would be a whole nother thing. It's a whole nother thing. All right. What about Jeff? All right. Uh, uh, so have either of you guys ever dated a woman who's exactly like you in every way, just like Jerry and Janine were alike? If so, how did it go? Assuming you haven't, why don't you lay out how you think it would have gone? Mm, I mean, no, I have never dated a woman who was exactly like me. Um, but I mean, that's not saying much. I mean, I don't think I've, I've, da- I've, Barely dated a woman who was anything like anybody. Uh, so, right. no, I, I've never met a woman who I felt like was exactly like me. Right. I, th- I would be scared. I, f- <laughs> I feel like I, what, what would a woman like me be like? Like watch sports all day, like really lazy, like terrible, like eating habits. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, yeah, I, I don't know. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want to meet that woman. Yeah. No, I'd like to meet her. You would? I don't want like, I don't. I, I don't want, I think, first of all, everyone should marry someone who's like mostly the exact opposite of them. Yeah. Oh, well, check. (laughs) But then also there's ideally have nothing in common. But then there's also like this, this, uh, I don't want to, I like, can you imagine like watching, I don't even like watching shows because, you know, you watch, you go ahead and then she gets mad. My wife once caught me like binging a show without her. And then we like never watch shows together again. But can you imagine if I do it with sports? It was like, I'll pause the game, you know, where I got, I have to go like take care of the kids for three hours. That wouldn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that, uh, Lindsay also asks, uh, you know, a similar question to this in, in her email about what would it be like to date yourself? But no, I, I, I do feel like Jerry in some way that I feel like that I'm, I, I would be intrigued by this idea. I probably would grow to hate it, but I feel like that on the surface, it seems very appealing to me. I think nothing would get done in this house. Like it what? would be like a like I mean it would be very messy of me or or, or of you no with my the, house okay, yeah my house like yeah. I, I don't clean so I like I mean I try but I'm bad at it mm-hmm. like, I I don't know I don't have I have like a lot of weaknesses I need someone who could like counteract that I don't have uh, it would be insane yeah I think it would be very fun over here and you know I like to have like a lot of conversation I I, so I, I asked my wife about this just a little bit of a pre <laughs> pre podcast prep I knew this question was coming and I asked You're her supposed about to keep this. the podcast on the DL but well, I, okay. no because I, I asked her about this because in my mind I feel like that this would be an ideal situation of me dating mm-hmm. the female version of myself is she a podcaster like in this scenario um I guess she could be but which I probably would not uh care for another another uh podcaster that like had her own thing going on i probably would not care for that uh because we get competitive i feel like uh but that being said my wife claims i would not i would hate dating myself because she says that i have to be the center of every conversation and i wouldn't want somebody else to talk as much as me Mm, so she's calling you a narcissist basically and I said, yeah. no, 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 no. Actually, what I don't care for is when people don't talk to me and shut down all my conversations. Yeah, I hear you. It's tough. I, I think it, it, it sounds good in the short term, 
but ultimately, I'm not, I'm not so sure how good it would be. I, I would be very interested in it. I said, really, what I'm looking for You'd is be having some like nerdy enthusiasm. survivor conversations all day. I mean, I mean, that's I'm, what you want. I mean, but at home, hmm. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. You're, si- you're just like sitting around the breakfast table and you're trying to like analyze different scenarios like people being voted out. I mean, I'm sure some people have that. I mean, but that's not what I'm doing necessarily just because that's what I talk about, you know, in, at my work. Doesn't mean necessarily mm. that that's what I'm going to be doing all the time in my private time. Right. I guess. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think at first, great. Ultimately, gets just like Jerry. You get sick of it. OK. All right. Well, um, you know, there's these other weddings I have to, you know, try it out. Well, I, I don't think this woman exists, so I'm not probably, so sure. <laughs> probably not. OK. All right. Uh, what about Lindsay? All righty. Uh, Lindsay asks uh, if either of us were involved in the planning of our weddings. She feels like we wouldn't care about invitations. She also thinks it's a little late for them to be sending out their invites in mid-May. I agree. I, I had no, I had the only thing I did was I made a list of my friends. I got their addresses and I sent it to my mother-in-law. That's literally the only planning I did. Yeah, I feel like I was not really consulted on on too many things. Neither was I. I'm just realizing now, like I really had nothing to do with it. Wow. Mm-hmm. I probably had a little bit to do with it. I probably was uh, involved in like the seating chart. Like the stuff that was like involved, like organization, I think I probably got involved in. Actually, we flew down to Florida to check out wedding halls one one weekend. That's mm-hmm. the only thing we did. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, what did Dan the Benefactor have to say? Dan the Benefactor says that Kramer's guess is much better than Jimmy James's guess about the desk. A fancy desk like that would never be made of pine and is much too soft and honestly cheap. You'd use a heavy and durable wood uh, like oak. It would be a good choice among many other possibilities. Wow. Who's this guy? Amy Schumer's boyfriend? <laughs> Why? Is he uh, a, a guy who works with wood? Yeah, he like works with wood. That's what he does. Okay. He's like a, he was like a woodsman. Uh, so Dan the Benefactor updates us $667 in counting for charity, which will be a new record. I'm not counting your missed week against you because the charity needs all the help it can get these days. Uh, yeah, I think uh, this could be the new record. This might be the longest episode. Um, I don't know. I think we're, you know, coming up on two hours. Uh, yeah, but all right, that's 667. That's pretty good. We're yeah. uh, we're going to we're going to raise close to a thousand dollars. I mean, I think it's going to uh, depend show. on how much Chester sent in. Yeah, well, maybe we'll start cutting him out, <laughs> making some of these episodes shorter. <laughs> OK, uh, Matt in Massachusetts says, I noticed that Jerry has at least half a dozen different brands of cereal in his apartment. How many different brands do you think are too many to have now? Different brands or different like types of cereal? Like, are we talking about like, oh, that like Kellogg's has six types of cereal? No, Rob, you're being you're being too Chester like boxes. OK, yes. that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, um, but the thing is, the problem would be that the cereal goes bad after a couple of days. I feel like it gets stale unless you're really like, you know, got some. No, sort of, like, not with the bag clips. Yeah. I feel like it stays OK with the bag clips. Depends on the cereal. Some goes worse than others, but. Cereal could stay, that stuff is so processed. It could stay for like a year. Okay. So the problem is I feel like once you open the bag, I think that uh, I yeah. think it's sort of like you maybe you want to have like two or three different cereals. That's too many. Well, I have well, I, my, I feel bad if I don't have like six or seven, but they're not all open. Right. Usually if I like one, like I'll have boxes, but then I'll be like, oh, I like tricks. But then I'll have tricks the next two or three days and the box will be done. Right. The thing is, if you had like the sort of like fun size boxes of cereal and then you could have like every single one. The problem is if you open a big box of cereal, I feel like you need to finish that before you go to the other ones. Maybe you have two open simultaneously. So the fun size is the small. Yeah. I don't know what they call that variety pack, I think. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, no, the big boxes, uh, I, I could even, I, I mean, I'll have two, three bowls a day. I go through them pretty quickly. Did I tell you that my wife eats cereal without milk? She won't put milk in cereal? That's insane. My brother-in-law eats, uh, has had cereal with water, I've seen a couple times. Yeah, terrible. He's a creep. I mean, yeah. not really a creep, but that's creepy. The, yeah. uh, what's it the water, the milk, I, I, to me, you gotta go, you gotta go 1%. You don't want to waste the calories on the milk. Mm-hmm. like a little kid Steve, i've never heard you talk about calorie count before oh i didn't tell you the big news rob I'm, what is it I, like i went i went to the doctor like three years ago yes and he said like you're in really bad shape you're like 30 but you have like all the like like i took a blood test and he's like i would have guessed you were like 130 130 uh, he's like you don't have any vitamin like d age or that was like your blood pressure everything everything was a disaster okay and he and he's like, you, you, you have no vitamin D, like the least vitamin D I've ever seen. You don't go like, outside. You, you don't you don't go outside. He's like, do you never be? Or, and he didn't know that I work from home. He's like, do you never see the sun? I'm like, no, never. And I even like I got the drops, which I've never used once, but I got the drops. And the lady at the at like who sold them to me at the pharmacy was like, you know, you could just go in the sun and not have to buy the stupid vitamin D drops. Right. Mm-hmm. She was like trash, trash talking to me. Um, Typical. Anyway, so then she's like, you got to come back in six months. But I came back three years later. And I took a test and I'm not like I, I, I went down in everything. Oh, and now so- I'm going to like, but now it's like a party time. I thought I, I honestly thought I was going to go and he was going to say I had diabetes. So the first part of the story happened before we even started the podcast. Yeah. Like right before we started the podcast, probably it's like a flashback. Yeah. And now and now like I'm still like insanely unhealthy, but I'm not like pre-diabetic or anything like that. I'm going to take a bath in Twizzlers tonight. I just got this news like right before we started. Okay, good. Well, congratulations. Yeah, but I'm saying now I'm going nuts. Like, forget about it. Because I, the last year I've been eating as if like I thought I had like I was about to get diabetes. Now, now I'm like going down. Forget it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go bananas. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. Okay. Party in my house. Well, congrats. Uh, what, what congrats, a, yeah, I don't know why that came up. <laughs> yeah. So I may, I may have the same meeting in like another year with the doctor where it didn't go so well. What what did Courtney and Kendall want from us? Before you were married, what would have been your biggest deal breakers in a relationship? Keith? I wouldn't care. Would you care about smoking? Like if you were like absolutely head over heels for someone, would you care if they smoked every day? What deal breakers uh, did you have? I I mean, that was there like, um, I mean, outside of, you know, the uh, incorrect uh, genitalia. I mean, do you have deal breakers, Keith? I mean, first of all, look at you. I mean, who's judging based on anyway? Um, I think you know what you know what would bother me about smoking. What's that? And like cigarettes are really expensive. That would drive me insane. Well, they were, and they didn't used to be as expensive. I now know, but you would be what are they, like fourteen dollars. Like you spend fourteen dollars a it's day insane. on your habit. It's insane. If now. I just bought like if I like went out every day and bought like four Starbucks frappuccinos yeah. or something. Now it's like, like status if you're a smoker, and it's like boy, yeah. you can afford cigarettes. Look at you. Yeah. How do like I'm not even joking. How do like like homeless people afford cigarettes anymore i don't know it's crazy yeah um the you got a panhandle like 25 hours a day yeah it's insane a deal what's a good deal breaker i'm i'm trying to think of one like first of all i was 20 i was too stupid to even like think about things like that yeah what by the way can i just say that i'm getting a phone call right now omaha steaks uh, that couldn't could not call me more that they just say that i i sent like a christmas gift last year they've been calling me Every uh, it must be every Tuesday or, or I don't know. Today's Wednesday. I don't know. They call me 
uh, once a week to, to is, talk to me. Is it the same number? You block it. Oh, my God. I mean, it's it's terrible. And really, I almost went that uh, they were I was like watching the election results the other night and they were calling me mm. like at like uh, pr- the witching hour of election wow. results. I was like, are you guys out of your mind? That's crazy. If it was Trump stakes calling you, that would have made sense. <laughs> Trump stakes. That's fine. They have a mandate to be calling yeah. people right now. That's right. <laughs> But really, I mean, if, if, if you're calling me with like, OK, what's what's the exit poll in uh, what, what's uh, Nebraska? Fine. Yeah. But Omaha stakes. Give it a rest. So by oh, I just thought of my I thought of my deal breaker. What's someone that? who like hated sports so much that they would like not actively not let me watch sports. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. No, I did not have many deal breakers. Picking their nose and eating. I think it. if somebody, somebody would, yeah, uh, even then, <laughs> I feel like somebody was going to go out with me. That's fine. Who am I to, yeah. to, to be judging? Well, but listen to their deal breakers. Yeah. Smoking, excessive finger licking. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I don't even that know what thing? that is. Is that like you have like barbecue sauce on your hand? Right. And selfies. Mm-hmm. That's like a crazy deal breaker. So you'd be out. Forget it. No, you're not marrying Rob, Courtney or Kendall, Rob. Yeah. I've never taken a selfie in my life. Um, I mean, I don't any selfie. I've never taken a picture of just me. Mm-hmm. Like I've taken selfie maybe with people. Like my kids take selfies with me, but I've never just like I'm going to take a picture of me. What would I do with it? Mm-hmm. I'm going to send it to my wife. Like she doesn't want to see me ever when I'm <laughs> physically there. Right. Send it to my mom. Right. And no one. No one wants. What to if see you me. were? At, what if you were at someplace interesting? I would take a picture of the place. Yeah, and you wouldn't and even I'd be in it. it. Yeah. No. And I, where would I be by myself? That's interesting. Uh, you the are White House. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I don't know. Someplace you're someplace. Uh, you know, uh, you're someplace cool. I mean, I feel like I just take pictures of the things. Okay, and not with me in it. Well, that's because uh, they want to know if we get offended if we're not in a friend's wedding. No, and they're introverts. They don't want to be left out. No, no, I would not be offended. Yeah. One time I wasn't invited to a bachelor party. I'm like, really? You have like 24 friends closer than me. I'm like, I'm not in your. It's like that's like. It's funny because the weddings are the only time in your life. Like if I said, hey, Rob, list your rank, your top 10 friends now, assuming you have 10 friends. I don't know. Well, no, I don't. Or if someone asked me, it's not something I ever think about. So I'd really have to like if you put a gun in my head said I have to do it. I you know what I mean? I would do it, but it's not like it would. It would it's not something I you know, like I make lists all day long, but not about things that matter. So I would never do mm-hmm. that. But then if you have like groomsmen, let's say, and you have six groomsmen and you're like, OK, these are my six closest friends or eight closest friends. So and, you know, maybe bachelor party, it's like more. So it's you know what I mean? You're it's funny because you're like demarcating like lines for like you're, you're almost that's the closest you ever make come to like making a list of like like your AP top 25, you know, friend <laughs> rankings. Wow. Um, I feel like that's one of my regrets about not having friends is that I feel like I've never really been to a bachelor party. You've never been to a bachelor party? I, like I have, but I, I feel like that it oh, was just man. like uh, lame ones. Rob, can yeah. someone would you would you go to a listener's bachelor party? I mean, well, what are they doing? I mean, isn't didn't Sean Falconer write in and say he's getting married? Maybe <laughs> I bet he would invite you to his bachelor party. We, we got invited to the wedding. I don't know if we're bachelor party friends. Yeah. All right. Someone's got to invite you to a bachelor party. I mean, I, well, that my friend uh, Justin, I went to uh, his and uh, we just were like, you know, at like a bar the whole weekend. Nah, it's not great. Boring. You know, I didn't I didn't have one. But I, first of all, we weren't 21. Where yeah. were we going? So right. I didn't even like know. I thought they were like just in movies. I didn't even know they existed. Like, I, you know, I, I got married so young. Who knew that these things were going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, Craig from Vancouver. Why does Susan laugh uh, George out of the room when he says he wants a prenup? 
George works for the Yankees. She's living in his apartment. George is everything here. He has hand. It makes George, uh, Craig from Vancouver wonder, does Susan only want to marry George because her parents have some claws that she'll only have access to their wealth if she's married? Oh, this is that a would big make wrinkle. sense. Yeah, it is a really good theory, actually, from Craig. That would make sense. Like, it, you know, because a lot of people like you get the trust fund kid and it, like kicks in when they're 21 or, you know, they graduate college. But this is smart. Like you're if you're still, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Ross say to Susan, like if you're still some, you know, old maid in the city, we're not we're not giving you your money. So that's why she's in a rush to marry this. Like, why else would Susan, an, a, like an ostensibly eligible uh, bachelorette, want to marry this schlubby, you know, idiot who started smoking and is a buffoon with the worst in-laws on Earth? It's a great point. Yes, that's a good theory from Craig. Yeah. OK. All right. Finally, here's Chester who says, I appreciate the meta nature of Kramer forgetting Susan's name. We haven't seen her in weeks, so a lot of casual Seinfeld viewers also probably didn't remember her when the episode first aired. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you're casual. Like, you wouldn't know. But the, you know, the super fans, they knew. Why, who wouldn't know Susan? That's She's been in so many episodes. Jester also wants to know, uh, why aren't Susan's parents paying for this wedding? Uh, why hasn't George even mentioned this? It's a little weird. I it mean, again, I, I think it's like if you're it's it, it may, see, this is the opposite of Craig's theory in that, like, we'll pay for your wedding if you marry anyone other than George. Mm-hmm. So I don't know which one it is. One of them is right, but I, I can't tell yet which one is right. Yeah. Also, Chester wants to know, obviously, George is relieved that Susan is dead, but he would never pass up on the opportunity to get easy money and suing the envelope manufacturer would be his easiest lawsuit ever. How come George never calls Jackie Childs? Why isn't it even mentioned by Frank or Kramer or anybody? Yeah, it's a good question. This is an obvious lawsuit. I mean, this is you could own this company. Yeah. The thing is, does the company no longer exist because the invitations are so old? It's very possible that they don't exist. Also, does George feel like that maybe he doesn't want to shine a light too much on his oh, yeah. actions during totally. this? Totally. It's like, yeah, you start bringing this up and it's like you look into George. Maybe it's his fault. And also, I mean, the invitation story would definitely be at fault, too. But why would George want to bring this up? Like they did him a solid in his mind. Like, mm-hmm. well, you know, why is he punishing them? He should be high fiving them. Yeah, I don't think he wants to uh, get involved. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably it. And then that's it. That's it, Keith. R.I.P. Susan. R.I.P. Susan. Uh, very sad state of affairs for Susan. Uh, but we will see more from the Rosses in season eight. Yep. Yes. All right, Keith, are, are we doing anything special or we just got to stay on target? We took a week off a couple of weeks ago. Season eight will be next week. Well, we did something special. Yes, we, we did. We did the Seinfeld Big Brother season. Okay. It's just, uh, you know, I feel like that's special. So we're not skipping a week. So we will go right back. What is the first episode of season eight? Uh, the next the first episode of season eight is the foundation. The foundation. Right. We got so. Jerry bringing off his engagement. George joins the foundation in in Susan's memory. And Kramer, Kramer does karate. Really <laughs> memorable subplot there. Yes. Yes. And some Star Trek Two: the Wrath of Khan. Keith, you should watch Star Trek Two: the Wrath of Khan to get ready for next week's episode. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to have it on repeat <laughs> in my room here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that's good stuff. All right, Keith, what's the hashtag this week? You have anything? Um, let's see. Um, hashtag. Uh, that's so Maven. Yeah. That's so Maven. That's good. Okay. And not hashtag gas Keeve. No, or burger Maven or uh, <laughs> RIP Susan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's so Maven is good. That's so Maven. There you go. All right, Keeve, uh, can you believe we finished seven seasons of this schlock? Uh, yeah, I think I can believe it. I feel like because every week we say, can we believe we've done it? I th- I can. 
it's not it's it doesn't really even season eight it's not really setting setting in you know in season nine it'll be like uh it'll have more of like a funereal like feel to it like Mm -hmm. every episode will be like this is the last whatever but now it's still we got so much time to go okay all right well very exciting stuff as we go into season number eight of seinfeld coming up next week on the podcast uh big thanks to scott st pierre for editing uh, this marathon edition of the seinfeld recap podcast and also to mike moore who writes the recap on posterrecaps.com uh kiva what are you guys working on on 32 fans we ranked the uh all 32 quarterbacks this week from uh the jets and the browns on down yes Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, no spoiler, we won't say who's number one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the New York Jets are the Susan Ross of football teams. I mean, in that I hope they die. And I just I don't want to see them anymore. The oh, Jets. my God. Not Steve, individual was, people like, died. So the dark. franchise. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't want like people. Just the franchise. I hope it goes out of business. Hopefully that concussion lawsuit will will take the NFL. Take down. the NFL That's down. Right. Yes. <laughs> Do you hope that they have uh, what? what is that called where they were going to take like the Marlins and the Expos away? What, are they, what were they calling that? Oh, please contract the Jets. I would love contraction. It. Yeah. Yes. Take out the Jets and the Vikings. It would be worth it just for the schadenfreude of like Chester crying. <laughs> All right. Uh, Good stuff. Thanks, everybody uh, who made it this far into the podcast. We really do appreciate it. We love to hear from you guys. Seinfeld at Post Show Recaps. You can leave us comments on postshowrecaps.com. It's been a very fun ride to get through seven seasons. Looking forward to the final two seasons of Seinfeld. Hope you're coming along with us the rest of the way and not unsubscribing from the podcast after we finish this sentence. But thanks again. Keeve, take care. Talk to you next week. Bye. 